everybody, and welcome to episode 341 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez. Who else is joining me here in the mystical, magical, your name here, Memorial Studio of the Airwaves? Chris143, Antista. And playing the part of the man who tears up at Overwatch trailers, Matthew Allen. And special guest, Cap Bailey, editor-in-chief of US Gamer. Woo! Thank you for joining us, Cap. the Blood God? I'm back! Does that mean we get to talk all about Luigi's Mansion 3 right now? I'm so happy. I didn't <laughs> review that one, actually. Yeah. Oh, there was another game worth reviewing? <laughs> <laughs> and we were just talking about the Haunted Mansion. I mean, that's basically Haunted Mansion the game, right? That's true. Yes. Ooh. It very much is, actually. Much better than the actual Haunted Mansion the game. <laughs> I be- yeah, is that a TDK joint? Uh, probably. That sounds about you, right. <laughs> are you Team Gooigi or Luigi? Uh, Team Luigi all the way. Green, uh, lanky Italians. Mm. Uh, I, you'll never guess why I'm into that. Not me. I <laughs> like sliding between bars as Gooigi. Holder Pup's job. Did you see what Gooigi was made of? It's, it's mixed with something, right? It's a mix it's of... It's like soda or something. It's, it's um... God dang it. It's like root beer in, in ectoplasm. It's something random in ectoplasm. Huh. All right. Weird. And I will, I will, I just want to say, Nintendo is just playing such a fucking different game like Link's Awakening and Luigi are the slowest games I've played not in terms of pacing but the character I have not played as a character this slow in two back-to-back first-party Nintendo games like ever are you guys like fans of Link's Awakening for the Switch yeah are you not I'm not I hit a wall I I did hit a wall and I I really wanted to finish it I, I will say that I am a I love the original Link's Awakening a lot, and so I was really pumped for this game. And I did a Retronauts about uh, Link's Awakening remake, and like I, I played it, and I played it, and I played it, and I played it, and everything from the art style to the camera angle was distracting to me. I ultimately didn't like it. Oh, I didn't like the Which, art style. My heart. Biggest upset of the year, honestly. I thought I would love it. Hmm. Just too twee for you, or what? Uh, I I always found Link's Awakening to be darker than it lets on, mm-hmm. and more psychedelic, I mean, and I didn't think the art style really did justice to that. Hmm. Oh, I thought you were one of those people who prefers a solid frame rate over black and white. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I, think, I think that might have just been a problem with the physical version, because I, I played it downloaded, and it never stuttered for me. Oh, I was playing it downloaded. It totally stuttered. Huh. huh. Are you yeah. on a Switch Lite or a regular Switch? Regular Switch. Okay, I was on a Switch OG, too. I don't know. Huh. Weird. I wonder why. Switch um, OG. But anyway, you did review a big game coming out this week. You reviewed Death Stranding. I sure did. And so, let me so, tell you, there were many strands that were dead or death. <laughs> I don't know. Did, did you get I, stranded I saw with all death. the strands. I experienced the strand genre. Mm. Strand genre. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is actually inspiration for our top five. Right? Yeah, yeah. well, we'll oh, get yeah. into that. But did it feel like a legit new genre to you? Like, is is the hype real? It's funny, because we have a review roundtable going up. Um, I don't know when this podcast exactly is going up, but as of... No, Friday. Friday, every, every Friday. <laughs> We're live. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, anyway. We're on the radio, so no swearing. There are literally <laughs> tens of people listening right now. For fuck's sake, yeah, no swearing. We're on the radio. That should be the uh, that should be up by the time this podcast goes up, and right. that's actually one of the questions that I ask is, do we feel like Hideo Kojima 
uh, has created a new genre? And my answer was kind of that Death Stranding is more of a pastiche of existing mm. genres and mm-hmm. some ideas. I wouldn't really say, oh yeah, it's like a totally new genre. I think the coolest and most interesting idea is uh, the strand aspect of it, where you have these online hooks where you're you can build things in the world, right? Like mm-hmm. highways and bridges and all of that. And those highways and bridges will appear in people's world, like other people's worlds, mm-hmm, right. and they will use them. And so you will see updates saying, oh, so-and-so used your highway. So-and-so so, used your bridge. So it's like the and Demon there's... Souls thing with the message, like when you get you get rewarded when someone likes your message that you left for them. The little Absolutely. stuff. Yeah, okay. but I think maybe taken to even a slightly higher level because, um, yeah, there are the messages and you can jump into another player's game and, like, help them out and all of that. But I think that there can be an entirely new meta game where people just kind of say, eh, screw, like, finishing the story. I'm just going to build bridges. And, and they doesn't... raid uh, camps and they build bridges and they help people out. And there will probably be, put, be people who put thousands of hours in those games building literally everything out and find that incredibly rewarding for some reason. The same people who play Monster Hunter World and just help other people. Those blessed yeah. souls. I love you. I don't know why you do what you do, but, but I love you. How long before everybody starts building and suddenly this beautiful big open world becomes completely developed? Isn't there like a rain mechanic or something that washes away the buildings every so often though, Cat, where it's not oh, yeah. it's not gonna build yeah. forever? Yeah, it's called Timefall. Mm. And basically no, my strip mall. <laughs> I was it hyper build an Applebee's. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it hyperages everything, so it okay. like will rust away and everything. Um, and it does that to your equipment as well. I don't know about um, structures necessarily, but it definitely does that to vehicles and to all of your equipment. So uh, I think the idea, in large part, is to. By the time you finish a long journey, all of your stuff's rusted out and you've used a lot of your stuff and you're kind of exhausted, usually covered in blood. And you're like, geez, I just want to take a nap. My God. And then mm. you take a nap. It's great. Sounds satisfying. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. But we can, we can dig more into that. I was also interested by something you said in your review that kind of dovetailed with the topic we were working on this week, where you talked about like... This is a PlayStation 2 game in the most like it, in the best way you can say that that it's it's like a, mm. a callback to when uh, ideas were kind of more ambitious and more all over the place and uh, developers were less tied down to a genre. I may be paraphrasing heavily here. <laughs> yeah, the idea is that uh, the PS2 era was maybe not so much that it was less ambitious because I think that you see a lot of really cool and interesting ideas in the indie space, like even today, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but more that it was less codified, especially in the blockbuster space. Like, Mm. I mean, developers were still messing around with controls. They were still messing around with design ideas. They hadn't found the formula as it were. I think that's why a lot of people called Nier Automata like a PS2 feeling game, is it it felt like those days where they were trying to experiment. Huh. That's an interesting way of putting that. Yeah, and you just don't see experimentation that much in the blockbuster space really Mm -hmm. anymore because, I mean, the stakes are so insanely high. I mean, look at half the games that came out this year were looter shooters, right? (laughs) I mean, Ubisoft. Looters. 
there were two from Ubisoft alone this year in Division 2 and uh, Breakpoint. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, also Destiny 2 came out with one and Borderlands 3. I mean, so it's just the genre du jour. And then beyond that, open world games kind of have their own formula. Shooters have their own kind of formula. Action games have their own kind of formula. Like, yeah. you know how to make an, a good kind of like one of those games. So it's weird and interesting to see a game like Death Stranding. It's just like to see a game that's so blatantly experimental in the blockbuster space is really rare. Yeah, how much how much budget do you think they gave them when they signed this deal? Because it's weird because we, we talk about it like it's a blockbuster and it it looks like a triple A, but I don't I don't know. I don't know that this is like a hundred million dollar type budget game or anything. Mm. You know, like how how big do you think this game actually is and what do you think sony's expectations are like does this does this feel more like spider-man to you in terms of their expectations or more like detroit become human (laughs) um my speculation has always been that sony basically said oh we got to get kojima's available we got to get kojima and basically just handed him a blank check i can could not tell you how much money they actually gave him playing the game um I think from a graphic standpoint, it's actually really good. Uh, we, our sister site, Digital Foundry, did a good graphics breakdown, and they pointed out that like the 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 models of the characters are really excellent, mm-hmm. and a lot of the landscapes are really like extreme, like really gorgeous. The food, the more you... the food looks really pretty. It's like some <laughs> Final Fantasy fifteen level food. Yeah. But, but we wanted to capitalize on that idea that Kojima is creating a new genre with this, the stranding genre. Mm-hmm. And we, we also wanted to look at, for our top five, games that don't really fit into any genre. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but that sort of are genres unto themselves. And when a game comes out that's like one of these, you say, oh, it's like that. Yeah, I, I think though Kat touches on a really good point. In Michael, you and I, as we were thinking of this list, what we did kept coming back to, and especially maybe games that didn't make the list, a lot of games that you at first think, oh, this is a new thing, they are just kind of a pastiche of several genres. Like they might just yeah. be pulling piece from here, piece from there. Some and, of them do something totally original, and some yeah. of them are like, well, this just combines a lot of existing yeah. things, but in a really original way. And there are certain genres that, by default, they're now these weird catch-alls, like. If anyone could explain to me what an adventure game actually means, I would really appreciate it because it does seem to be the category. Like if, if you don't really know what to call a game, it's, ah, oh, that's a, a action adventure is, <laughs> yes. is the catch all. Like it's like everything falls under that for some reason. Oh, well, action adventure would be a game which puts more of an emphasis on exploration and puzzle solving than actual combat or storytelling. Ah. Whereas an actual action game is more like Diablo or not mm. Diablo, sorry, uh, Devil May Cry ah, nice. or Sekiro where all of the emphasis is on the actual action. So this and game, then in, though, would qualify as, like, action-adventure with a heavy emphasis on the adventure, maybe? Death Stranding would kind hmm. of? Like, heavy, yeah. heavy adventure? You got, got a point-and-click on that ripped toenail to yank it out. <laughs> what? They got the... It really, it really de-emphasizes combat, I would definitely say. At least until uh, the second half of the game, I should say. Uh, the first half of the game is much more... Uh, one uh, one part horror where it feels like you're playing a little bit like Silent Hills and then another part kind of playing a stripped down version of Metal Gear Solid but with even more of an emphasis on non-lethal options than ever before and honestly I think that's kind of cool I like any game I like any blockbuster game that's less emphasis on 
uh, non-lethal options. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Same. But yeah, we'll get into Death Stranding a bit more later in the show. For now, we're going to dig into five games that defy genre right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Like, I just saw the TV movie of It for the first time, like, a few years ago. Never seen it the before. TV movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you oh. obviously didn't rent it when it was on VH, like, two giant VHSs, because it was, it's really long. It was aired over two nights in, like, 1990, and that's why it's, like, it, it's, at some, at times it's, like, a really straight horror movie, then other times it, like, really pulls its punches, because it's airing on, like, ABC or some shit. And yeah, that, no, I, yeah, that's where I would always watch it. It would just play on cable TV. Yeah, and, and, and I saw that, and I was, and, and I was like, I really like this, except for the adult parts. Why is that there? Okay, that was, yeah. So when I found out they were splitting the movie in two to the adult parts, I'm like, that's a terrible idea because like this is, this is the dumbest part about the entire story outside of yeah, the, the kid that, orgy it, in the book. Yeah. So watching chapter two, I mean, I like Bill Hader, yeah. <laughs> but the pacing sometimes felt off, and it wasn't really scary. Oh, and le- and let me say this. I walked out of that movie and still think I enjoyed the fuck out of it. I had a great time. Oh yeah! I, I grabbed no, I mean, it, my like... friend's arm, his, his son's arm. We had a great fucking time. But when I, but I also, on further reflection, I'm like, was that terrible? And was that a horror movie? <laughs> it was and... not good. It was fun. Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. And welcome back. It's time to talk about what? Genre-defying games. Yes, not defining, but defying. Defying is yes, yes. what I said. Would you say I, these I know, games you said a, defying. I'm just uh, underlining Would that. you say they have a common strand? Ooh, tying it in with your strands. Tie, strand, I see what you did there. Yeah, let's jump in with... Number five. Open up with R.E.M. Strand. Never mind. <laughs> Chris, I couldn't hear. Was your joke R.E.M.'s strand? Like, str- yeah, strand I'm, in the place where you live. You guys didn't let me do my... The baby on your chest. You guys didn't let me do my joke. Which one? What? No, do your Please. joke, Kat. Where we're going, we don't need genres. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, that but is also good. good. Yeah. All right, well, let's begin with... Promise, there's a game under that cacophony. I mostly oh, just wanted is this to play. Alvin the Chipmunks Suicide Catalyst featuring Maroon Five. Can we just listen to that song for the rest of the show? Like we don't need the, a oh, show God. anymore. Well, the listeners will be hearing it under this. But what is this game? Lemmings. Yes, it's Lemmings. Yay! Wow, I didn't recognize that at all. The original Bizarro puzzler that like you. 
if you've never played Lemmings, first off, what rock have you been living under for the last 30 years? But What are you, a worms guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's a game about... I don't about, know. I think anybody younger than 30 probably missed out on Lemmings. I was going to say, last yeah. 30 years, you might well, need to go 40 years. Like when, when was the last... There was like I think the last one was in 2011, like Lemmings Touch for Vita. Well, uh, t- 2006 was the last console release for PS3. You, you probably would be more familiar with the Mario versus Donkey Kong series, yeah. which, which was... We were talking like maybe the only franchise that took the mantle of Lemmings and kind of ran with it in terms well, of... Well, that had any sort of staying power yeah. because like this was a, a very frequently copied formula at the time. Like in the 80s when this came out, shortly after we had The Humans, we had Troddlers, we had Krusty's Funhouse. Krusty's Funhouse was the one that I, yeah, yeah. I, I totally so, had forgotten that game and you brought it up. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, that's right. It was a Lemmings so, game. Lemmings is a game where a bunch of identical fraggles drop into a hazard-filled <laughs> level <laughs> and they just will march in a straight line until you tell them to do something else. So in a way, this is a game about community because you have to assign jobs to each of the members to blaze a path for everybody. So there are diggers, there are stoppers, where like a lemming will just stand there with its arms outstretched and stop anyone from passing. I think, though, because of the game's cuteness and because of how long it's been going on, a lot of people forget that the original thrill of playing lemmings as a kid in the 80s had nothing to do with getting the (laughs) lemmings safely to their goal. No, no. But to uh, seeing what horrors each new level could throw at them. For example, maybe you find a strange rope hanging down to the ground. And uh, get to see the lemmings pulled up in a rope trap and then thrown back to the ground, utterly lifeless. Or maybe... You just wanted to kill them all at once, in which case there was a button with a mushroom cloud you could push to activate (laughs) a countdown timer on every single lemming in the level, which could be like, I think, up to 50 in the first game, maybe like hundreds later on. But this was absolute bliss. Watching them all pop one after the other. I'm a mushroom cloud dropping motherfucker, mm-hmm. motherfucker. The second my hands touch brains, I turn into dynamite TNT. <laughs> Superfly TNT. Sorry. Yeah. Don't want to misquote my Pulp Fiction. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, I will say this is a game, Michael, built on lies. Lies, lies. I tell you. Lemmings. The, that's an Thanks urban myth. Yes. Lemmings yes. do not actually fling themselves that's off That's true. Cliffs. Walt Disney personally stood at, the, at a cliff and flung lemmings off by hand. <laughs> but yeah, so well, Somebody in his company did, and when they were only making one nature documentary a decade about lemmings, it perpetuated a myth of, like, just kill this lemming. It's going to kill itself any second now. <laughs> but yeah, the, the name of this series implies that yeah. these, these are... These fraggles, as you put them, which I love, yeah. they will just continue. It's a nature documentary with Disney's name on it that, like, <laughs> murdered lemmings in front of you and might be on Disney Plus coming next week. God, I hope so. <laughs> but, yeah, these guys will just walk to their doom unless you stop it using specialized lemmings with jobs, with gerbs. Yes. you gotta got to assign them jobs and there's no economy and everything stagnates. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you there there's diggers, bashers, builders. It's weirdly satisfying building those, like, diagonal staircases yeah, that they do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Watching all the lemmings pour off of the side of it. 
<laughs> yeah, and it, what I liked about these games is they were puzzle games, but it wasn't like there was always just one solution to every level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was kind of like a real time strategy meets puzzle game in that you you could do things at certain times, or you, you didn't have to build the bridge in the exact same spot or anything like that. It was there was a little bit of flexibility built in there, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, really. If, if you think about it, though, other than, like, March of the Minis, the Mario Donkey Kong stuff, it, it's not really a genre many people are reproducing. You know, like, oh, yes, let's set these people on a path and then and then have to solve, figure out how to get them from point A to point B. Like, maybe you could say Choo Choo Rocket is sort of inspired by Lemmings in a way. Maybe yeah, so sure. There's a little bit of Lemmings DNA in uh, the odd first Oddworld games. Seems like oh, something yeah, that true. I would be playing on mobile these days, except right. I'm not. There is a mobile Lemmings. <laughs> it's it's kind of one of those pay-to-get energy kind really? of games. Mm-hmm. But. I played a lot of Lemmings growing up because it was one of those games that seemed mm. ubiquitous. It was just yeah, kind yeah. of on every computer on everything. somehow. Yeah. Yeah, especially Apple IIEs and, and the... It, it was very much an MS-DOS game. Like, computers. Yeah. If you walk into a Babbage's, you're going to see a few copies of Lemmings sitting on a shelf. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. It was big in England, right? Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. It was an, originally an I Amiga I think one game. of my, my, my biggest yelly rants in our old podcast is I think the, the England side was fi- championing it for Lemmings to be in like the top... 30? Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> lemmings? <laughs> lemmings, yeah. Like, what the hell? Uh, Whatever. They have a different relationship with Lemmings and uh, Dizzy and Hit. Well, I think and Lemmings and was medieval. the Worms of the 80s. Yes, like, very much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Worm, Worms was basically Lemmings crossed with Scorched Earth, like an old DOS game. Well, if Lemmings, I was saying, kind of has this real-time aspect to it, Worms is more tactical. It turn-based, yeah. right? It's just like yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. happens. But they scratch the same itch because they're both yeah. about these kind of innocuous creatures doing horrible things to one another yes and specialized jobs like you can you can turn a lemming into a certain type of worker well interesting piece of trivia do you know who developed lemmings Who's responsible? Well, Walt Walt Disney. Eventually, yeah. Walt Disney. (laughs) Well, DMA Design. (laughs) DMA Design, not only that, but two of the people who went on to design the original Grand Theft Auto uh, created Lemmings. Ah, shit. Yeah, so uh, even even then, the dark inklings were there because. I was going to say, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. When you think about it in retrospect, it does. It's like, yeah, it was like, it was always this cute really imaginative fun game but it had this very dark side yes murderous intent mm-hmm. and hence right. why it's a lot like worms and another by the yeah. way another game that is huge in england like worms like england loves worms oh, yes mm-hmm. very funny yeah, i mean i was talking to my buddy from brazil and it's just like you guys don't play worms i'm like not since the Dreamcast. It's like, oh, <laughs> I mean, we do. I just feel like I haven't huh? paid for a Worms game in 30 years. It's They're always like part of like your game passes or your games with gold and all that yeah. stuff. I feel like I have like 10 Worms games on various machines. Well, I felt like I, I played 10 different variants of Worms in the late 90s or whatever. Yeah. So. I feel Cat like- was a big Army Man fan. Mm. Uh, that was, <laughs> love that franchise. I was, I was more of a Toy Commander guy myself. Still uh, the last the thing- first Worms. The last thing I want to say about Lemmings is just the soundtrack is awesome. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. absolutely. So why didn't Lemmings stick around? I don't know. I mean, I don't think the, I don't think there were enough ways for the franchise to evolve. Yeah, and like mm. well, it, it went, ended up defining a genre that anybody could rip off. It went in a lot of weird directions. Like there was 3D Lemmings. There was Lomax in Lemmingland, the the side-scrolling <laughs> action game for PlayStation. Ernie Lomax. It's a good question. My my first guess, cat would just be. 
sales. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, f- <laughs> I feel like the original version of Lemmings is the only one that like people sort of gravitate to and that has has had any lasting success. And that's why, like the PS3 version, it just feels like more Lemmings with updated graphics. It doesn't have any like huge gameplay or visual innovations. It's just this is what it is. It's just tough for it's- that particular formula in which you're trying to get Lemmings from point A to point B by having them build things or whatever, yeah. like. At a certain point, the formula can't really evolve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what game I felt was inspired by Lemmings, but a little bit different was like World of Goo. Mm, yeah. Yeah. World of Goo was great, where it's more you're, you're trying to like, you know, build bridges and get things across. But um, yeah, I mean, not different in that they're not like the goo's not running in real time or anything <laughs> like that. But also had like the humor thing going for it and kind of a cutesy style. But I feel like Lemmings, though, is it's one of those brands that it will reemerge. Like it's, it's always going to be around. I don't know who owns it at this point, but it, yeah, it'll, it'll pop its head up somewhere. Again. I don't know though, it'll... because I just feel like it's pretty forgotten at this point. I haven't thought about lemmings in so long. And yeah. I mean, granted yeah, I'm not from minutes. England, but <laughs> yes, yes. At the same time I work from with British coworkers. I don't hear them talking about lemmings, you know? So, I don't know. Feed them a few drinks, see what happens. <laughs> Say, like, so about that, lemmings, and we'll just go on and on for hours. Ah, oh, those were the days. <laughs> Slaughtering green-haired little things. <laughs> don't know what accent that was. <laughs> he kind of sounded like the shopkeeper. For... What do you what buy? Do you buy? <laughs> <laughs> that guy. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move along. <laughs> Number four. Uh, this is just going to be a weird grab bag of, uh, of <laughs> genreless games. My heart is so full, and I am so happy whenever I hear KK Slider. Yeah, coming into the local I coffee a, shop. I have a difficult relationship with this game. I, I, this is Animal like, Crossing, by the way. I know, I know, but it, it was like last week's question of the week, a mundane task you love doing in video games. Like, this is all this game is. Yeah. This game, yes, is mundane task of the game. Fucking Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. Somebody explain Animal Crossing to me, because I've never gotten it. I remember one of my first Games Radar articles I read before I worked there. Um, it's just like life, only the man is a raccoon wearing an apron. Yeah, yeah, so, I do yeah. that already. <laughs> It's more of a pastime. That's what I'm saying. Like, I clean up, I, have I a mor- sell shit. I don't have a mortgage to pay, but I might someday. Uh, you come Probably into town, it'll... and you immediately meet this guy. And I, I actually have a dubbed translation of what he's saying. Where's the money, Lebowski? Here's the fucking money, shithead! I'm getting... If someone besmirches the name of Tom Nook, I swear to God, I will break this bottle and fucking stab you with it. So Tom will Nook, he if he doesn't get his bells. Tom Nook is a fucking saint. Tom Nook offers interest-free loans and builds your shit in advance before you pay him. There's uh-huh. not a contract... Also, before a, you ask for it. There's not a... Con- no, you have to ask yep, for your house. I'm the capitalist. Uh. There's not a contractor in the world that will do the work and before you pay him a dime... And doesn't offer look Matt Piscatella, who is who is uh, industry analyst on Twitter. Him and I both always praise the name of Tom Nook and go after people when they besmirch that fine fine fellow. His <laughs> Matt, sons, let me tell you, his sons are dirtbags though. Fuck when the revolution kids. comes, Tom Nook is going to be the first against the wall. <laughs> fine, 
and then you will see. You will pay interest to whoever replaces him, Timmy and Tommy Nook. I, 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 I do feel like an ultra-woke millennial when I think back on my time playing Animal Crossing. Like, did I enjoy going to that island to collect bugs every day? No. It's, Why did I do that? They broke me into weird. the system. And so, so you know how they're all involved apples. in this again. Like, I'm grabbing all of these. You know how they call baseball yeah, America's pastime and not like America's sport? Mm-hmm. Like Animal Crossing is more of a pastime. Like it, they designed that game so that you were supposed to, if you don't like me, I time travel, I cheat, which I'm gonna, it's going to be weird on Switch because mm-hmm. it's connected. And Anyway, but... Rossetti's going to come after you, man. No, he's retirement. They're, that game I think is, he's retired. They, they designed that game so that you are supposed to run out of things to do and really not be able to progress and play until the next calendar day. It is meant to be a game. You know all those warnings Nintendo always gives you like, hey, you've been playing kind of a long time. You should take a break. Animal Crossing does that shit for you. You know, I have a theory for why they do that. Because they didn't when they had the Virtual Boy, and mm-hmm. now that's like the, we've we ruined a generation's eyesight. We need to <laughs> we need to make good on this. Well, the other thing, I have a theory. The reason the original Animal Crossing had all those collectible games for like NES games is because someone realized like, hey, uh, there's actually no game in our game, so we should maybe put some other games in here so that people don't complain. <laughs> and that developer's name was Exhibit. <laughs> Yo, dog, I heard you like games. <laughs> an old meme. I heard you like games good. in your game, yeah. in your video game. Put a game in your game so you can game while you game. I, I, but Cat, I, I don't have a good explanation for you. Of I just know I'm in love with the Animal Crossing series. Like, I, it, it is a, it's a game. I think what it is in this world where we have very little control over lots of aspects of our mm-hmm. life, it's nice having a game with checkboxes and mundane things that you can easily accomplish. Yeah. Like, yes, I can collect all the bugs in this collection. Yes, I can go fishing and collect these fish. <laughs> yes, I can go I fulfilled fruit. all my credit hours at Human Being University. <laughs> it is <laughs> a game that is completely predictable. Um, but it's also a game that the originals, at least, were full of surprises. And that's one thing that, if I have a knock against the series, is that... Some games, they don't evolve them enough where you know exactly what's coming. But the original games, you have to remember, like, if you weren't online reading, you know, guides and stuff like that, it's like you didn't know what the Halloween event would would be like. You didn't know what Christmas in this series would be like. But it's a life simulator and and a capitalism simulator where you're going out into the world and collecting junk and then selling it back to people who could also very easily collect it for sums that are wholly unrelated to the value of the item. Or it's a friendship simulator where you give gifts to your animal yeah, friends. and you can write letters to them. Yeah, well, that when you read the logic behind the letter system, like it was this really weird, complex algorithm where... I still don't really understand it, but there are guides online that will tell you how to how to get the best ratings for your letters. Yeah. But uh, it also has a game that uses feng shui, it, like at how you decorate your 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 house gets rated based on uh, this is it, basically it's the principles of feng shui. Like it's like feng shui light though, you know. Right. It's it's mm-hmm. you put certain colors to north, south, east, and west. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I have two Animal Crossing stories because I I was never really in Animal Crossing, but people in my life have been in Animal Crossing. The first was when I was living in Japan, Animal Crossing came out on the Nintendo DS, and my partner was super duper into it. And we were going to go to the shrine in Harajuku, the Meiji Jingu shrine, mm-hmm. for New Year's. And she was not going to take her DS with her because she was like, no, I'm going to leave it at home. I'm going to enjoy the, you know, everything that there is to enjoy about this particular event. But while we were standing in the big crowd out just outside the Meiji Jingu Shrine, somebody had Animal Crossing open and they were watching the fireworks. 
um, on their DS. So we still got to enjoy it. So you still oh, got I to have, enjoy it. I game. have watched New Year's fireworks in an Animal Crossing game before. <laughs> Story number two. Um, just recently, I learned my friend has been playing Animal Crossing with his daughter, and it's the Wii version. <laughs> wow. And yeah, well, the Wii version. one? Supposedly? It's yes. not great. It doesn't matter because she loves it. They log in like every day and she gets to see her friends and she Aww. seems to think that they're real and Aww. she's very emotionally tied to them. I forget which one. She has her favorites. I was always very excited to get letters from them. And this is, that... this is the we. So is she like 16 years old? This is sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you, have it did ever... really melt my heart because she was like, she's like three. No, she was three uh, at the time. So did you did you ever read that online story of the guy who introduced his mom to Animal Crossing and then at, he he had moved on and she kept playing and then she like died of cancer and then he went back into the game and realized she had been like writing because you know how you can have your friends in the same town like she'd mm-hmm. been writing him letters and stuff in the game like it was oh, this geez. really really like it, it was sweet though it, it wasn't like tragic or anything it was like mm-hmm. this bittersweet story of like how his mom it's so sweet on. it sounded fake I remember this yeah you remember that story yeah I do I do I, I mean that's the thing it's so the guy Animal who Crossing... raced his dad's ghost in a racing game after he died <laughs> Animal Crossing is one of those games that. It can attract an all new audience. That there's there's people I know who have not touched video games in years that love Animal Crossing games and will go back and play those games. So it's doing something right, whatever it is. But it is its yeah, own. Yeah, well the more cynical thing. aspect of me is that it's the same as those Facebook clicker games, which mm-hmm. aren't right, really talking. anything except repetitive tasks. Then you get a nice little bit of feedback because a character tells you that you're doing a good job and you feel good about mm-hmm. yourself and then you keep doing these repetitive tasks. The game. I, I'll say well Okay, so I don't think the mainline entries are exactly that, but I do think the mobile game is absolutely that. Sure. Or at least when it launched, it was that. It was like the most cynical version of Animal Crossing. And I know that... Back when I was going to conventions every week, like the the 3DS one was the one that that felt like a real phenomenon because the street pass functionality. Yes. The street pass functionality, and also it made you the mayor of the town, and you got your own assistant. Twitter's most beloved character, <laughs> Isabel or Shizue, if you're playing Isabel's the Japanese great. version. Yeah, I did. Becoming a mayor was cool, but I always kind of liked the fact that you had Tortimer, who is like this borderline Alzheimer's dude, is your mayor. Like that was always kind of fun part of the games. I don't know. Yeah, I just anyway. want to. That's when I. Whenever I get away from him, like. This game was never fun, and I'll never play another one. And it'll be really cute, and all my friends will talk about it, and I'll probably jump back in. It does like when once you stop playing, you start to realize like this is like breaking off an addiction or something. Like with without the the strong desire to pull to to go back to it, but it's just like what? Why was I so invested in this? Like why was I doing this constantly? Like every chance that I got, we'd go out to lunch and we'd all just sit there on our three DSs playing New Leaf. Animal Crossing New Leaf comprises about like 20% of my vines, mm. which is why I didn't download them before the service went tits up. Mm. I think you mean your strands. <laughs> Sorry. My favorite Man, thing that... was a comic just after Pokemon came out of the assistant from Animal Crossing New Leaf being like, where is everybody? Oh, yeah, oh. I remember that. 
That was so sad. The, the, like writing a letter like, Mr. Mayor, I don't know where you've gone. I hope your travels are leading you on new adventures. And Where have you gone? And, and it's just like all the, the more uh, successful 3DS games that have come out since Animal Crossing, like Fire Emblem and Smash Brothers. Yes. And, yeah. There are sci-fi implications there that you're creating a world and then leaving it to rust. Uh-huh. It's really fun. Like mad. some of my favorite internet videos are people that go back to their long abandoned Animal Crossing towns, mm-hmm. and it's just like this weird surreal hellscape, <laughs> half abandoned and yeah, yeah, and full of weeds. Like, Where have you been? It's all yeah. gone to shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the machines have risen. <laughs> yes, exactly. we thought they were our servants. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's like it's like a very complex Tamagotchi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, kinda. I I've never gone back to Nintendogs for the same well, reason. That's, oh, that's the worst. Like, that dog's dead. I'm never never turning that on again. But uh, very complex Tamagotchi is a very good way of describing it, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good way. Uh anyway, this this game is uh nowhere near as sedate. Number three. Uh-huh. Is that ringing any bells? WarioWare. The first one, WarioWare Inc. And oh, there have been so many since then. And I realized, like, going back to this, it's like, actually, my my memories of the early games have sort of merged together. Because, like, oh, yeah. scrubbing through, like, videos of the first one, it's like, where's Ashley? I remember, like, she had this cool song during her stages. Nine Volt, baby. Yeah, 9Volt was the best. Nine Volt with his Dragon Warrior-esque thing and, and micro games that would recall old Nintendo games. If you've never played a WarioWare game, first off, you're missing out. Second, these are just very brief, bite-sized, like one to five second long challenges that just come at you rapidly, one after the other. One might have you like jump over a car or sink this basket or hammer this button to snort a gigantic thing of snot back into a woman's yeah, nose. Or pick or, your nose. Yeah, yeah. At its core, they're reaction games. That's all they are. Yeah. It, is, is it wants you to read a scene and react within one to three seconds or otherwise you'll have a miss and you can only get so many misses mm-hmm. in a level before before you fail out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. With a one word tutorial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like pick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Miss. Yeah. One of the best and most obnoxious Smash Brothers levels is their WarioWare one. Oh, yeah? Where uh, the, the you're doing elevator. the mini games, and so you gotta follow the instructions on the screen, and if you don't, you'll get hit, you'll get hurt or stunned. Oh no! But it's the uh, but you have to be underneath the umbrella when it's raining, or if you don't uh, jump at the right time, uh, you'll get stunned, or I think the foot will come down and kill you. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> it's great stuff. I That's like awesome. it. It's a very clever level. Yeah. Uh, the the first game actually had like once you got past the first couple levels like it started introducing a lot of variation and like there's there's different themes for each set of micro games so like the first one like Wario gets shrunk down and stuffed into a boombox somehow and you have to help him escape the boombox and then other times it's like this guy's getting calls on his cell phone while he's trying to dance at a disco and each of the calls is represented by a micro game yeah my favorite is probably the the dribble and spits level where it's these two cabbies a dog and a cat and they turn on the radio while they're driving and it sounds like this come on, come on. 
I mean, the song is really good insofar as you can make out any of it, but I always like that quality of like, it sounds tinny and distant in between the micro games, mm-hmm. like when you're in the, behind the, the wheel of the car, quote unquote. And then when you go into the micro games, then it becomes loud and clearer and uh, just sort of fills the moment. Yeah. I do love, too, that you guys know all their names and stuff. Like, I never never really got invested, but I love that there's this entire roster of characters that the Wario mm-hmm. games introduced that Nintendo never uses for, like, anything, it feels like. But it's like, they're yeah. there, and they're they're waiting, and they're really cool characters. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was, that was another thing. Like, uh, I, I like 9Volt, because 9Volt was he was obsessed with games and you could play like little moments from a bunch of different NES games mm-hmm. before that was really happening um, yeah. on, on the, the Game Boy Advance. But uh, it, it is, a, there was so many little rich points of Nintendo history that I didn't get at all. Like uh, the batting games and the robot arm, like even before video games, like the WarioWare series has celebrated Nintendo history a little better yeah. than anything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Smash series has taken on that mantle in many ways. Mm-hmm. It has, it has. But originally, you can only be annoyed by Sheriff in a WarioWare game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the like the the batting thing. Like, I think this was the first time that I'd ever seen that, and it shows up of all things as a boss battle. I think I think this was the only time it really appeared in a game until Rusty Slugger, and but it was like Nintendo's first toy that they ever put out. It was like an auto batting arm thing that would like you'd throw some balls into it, it would throw them back at you, and you'd you'd hit them with a bat. I think they didn't they have a, a the hand they had the little hand yeah. grabber the ultra thing. hand yeah. the ultra yeah. hand was yeah. in there as well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's where I, I also kind of learned about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair to say that this is where Wario really came into his own because I mean. You had the Wario Land games, mm-hmm. yeah, and those were very clever and everything. Yeah. But I think it's notable that Wario and Smash Brothers is wearing his WarioWare getup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because right. before before so before WarioWare, there was Wario. He was in Wario Land three. That was a very clever game. He's like trying to get treasure and whatnot. And then after that, Nintendo just starts getting really experimental and playing around with making him invincible and messing around with platformers. But this was the WarioWare games was the first time where he wasn't in a platform and he had a series kind of all to his own. Because Wario Land was always, you know, <laughs> co-opting the Mario Land series, right? Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do, I do feel like this is where they fleshed out a lot of his personality as well. And this is where you saw... A lot more of the gross-out stuff associated with Wario that you didn't and really see. And the motorcycle. See. Yeah. That's where the motorcycle comes from. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Now it's... Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, he wants to... The, the whole plot is like he wants to make video games. So let's let's get my friends together and we'll all make video games together. And then, then he just cheats them and runs off with the money. Wow. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> it's I not based on anything. Just having video game history acknowledged within video games was a a great thing in like 2003 yeah 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 it absolutely. was a super novel i was like oh my god video games are being acknowledged as a legitimate thing in video games mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. just like it was the amazing maybe the game first Animal time that video games weren't were. ashamed to be video games anymore that's true right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i agree i think that was that was part because I, I played this i remember i finished everything unlocked everything this is also back at the time we were just talking about the animal crossing where nintendo gave out free games and you could just unlock full games there's a Dr. Wario is just Dr. Mario, a yeah. full playable Dr. Mario game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Well, the first Wario Land game came out on the GBA. Yes. And that was a pretty interesting time for just Nintendo handhelds in general. Uh, Wario, the GBA in particular, I feel was really defined by remakes, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. You know, a few other things like Fire Emblem finally came out. That kind of thing. So WarioWare being such an original, you know, series was uh, a novelty on the GBA, I want to say. Yeah. And this is where I feel like they, if you had an itch to try something experimental or something a little outside the norm of what Nintendo usually allows, like in the Mario, in the mainline series and stuff, it's like they would would put you on the WarioWare team and say, here, go over here and do all your weird shit over here. Get get all your weird kinks out over here, freak. Uh, what happened to WarioWare though? Because it's for a while there, it felt like the game they would launch to showcase all of their new systems features. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, WarioWare touched. We're yeah, it became One Two Switch, which wasn't as much fun. No. <laughs> I, I think I think like Lemmings, they it, and it's Nintendo as well, so it's even worse. They felt like they couldn't launch another game that was just the same stuff mm-hmm. or the same. They'd have to think of a new gimmick, and those gimmicks didn't always work. And weren't always fun. Remember the WarioWare DIY? Make your own mini yeah, games. Like, yeah. I don't want to do that. I, I feel I like never asked th- yeah, the first one was really good. Touched was really good. And then they kind of went downhill from yeah. there. There was like the one with the, the rolling sensor. There was the 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 Wii one was just kind of weird and silly. And I just remember it was, like. It was too exercising. Yeah. But it had things like uh, hold the Wii remote at your hip and, and pretend it's a hula hoop. Like, mm, yeah, no thanks. Mm. Uh, SNL, I believe, has a whole sketch about it. I'm sure they do. <laughs> that involves them jerking off Wii remotes from like 10 years ago. Uh, and, and I think the last WarioWare game was just like, hey, it's the best. No, wait, I'm, I could be thinking of Mario Party. No, I'm thinking of Mario Party. Hmm. But I thought they had like a best of WarioWare game. Maybe. We didn't even talk about it. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, but like, yeah, like I, I wouldn't have asked for much more than exactly like the first game. I would love to have that once every three to five years. Yeah. And. That'd be perfectly fine with me. But then, like, you can see its DNA in a bunch of other stuff. Like, remember, one of the, the coolest things on Wii U that they I don't think they've remixed yet, or they've released yet is, is the NES Remix stuff, mm-hmm. which yeah. was essentially 9-volt WarioWare of games. It's, that's, like, the last thing that hasn't launched on Switch. Oh, and, man, uh, I would I buy that again. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. I love those mm-hmm. NES Remix games. Me too. I, it's the first time I've thought of them in a while. So uh, hopefully, hey, everyone start crowing about that. Yeah. If you if you're on Twitter, make sure to yell at Nintendo to do exactly what you want. Well, we know the I guess, guy who, uh, yeah, WarioWare Gold came out last year for 3ds. Yes. So there's but I mean like there's your new you know, installment. Yeah, last it year for that, 3ds. There, there's why no one played it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair. Uh, poor 3ds. Why? Well, well, it's a great system. It had a good run. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Yeah, had, lasted like ten years. It's people all good. got people got nasty about the 3ds and. Just started hating it sooner than any other console, Nintendo console I can think of, or maybe really, uh, maybe I, not. I, people I were pretty down on the haters. Wii. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I, I don't know Wii many U. 3DS haters. I think a lot of people ju- were just so excited about the Switch. It was like, yeah, why think about the 3DS? It had its run. Mm-hmm. I remember Kotaku had an article like in 2018 that was basically like, "Screw the 3DS." <laughs> Stop oh, making Kotaku 3DS hated games. on something? What? It <laughs> never happens. What are you talking about? Screw the 3DS. It'll never be the Vita. Well, no, they <laughs> they were just saying that 
the 3DS's time had passed and it was time to just make games for the Switch. And a lot of people agreed with them, sure. but yeah. I've always been kind of like, well, yeah, but at the same time, there are a lot of people who can't afford a Switch and the 3DS is affordable. And so, like, it's okay True. to cater to people who can't buy the latest and greatest. Every time I hear someone say, like, I still use my 3DS all the time, I'm like, do you play a Trey in Odyssey? Yeah. Uh, that's why. Mm-hmm. That's, the, <laughs> that's the thing. That's the only reason why. I just did an episode about Etrian Odyssey not too long ago, and now I'm like, oh, man, I want to play Etrian Odyssey 5 and do that same <laughs> game over and over again forever. Over over again. The same game I've been playing for a decade. And don't port it anywhere else. <laughs> I need it on the 3DS. Uh, I, I I don't know. I'm happy hanging up my 3DS just to... I hate having to carry around my Switch. It takes up a lot of space. i got to minimize shit. Well, luckily, through the beauty of the Switch, you can plug it into your TV unless you bought a Switch Lite. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's true. Uh, well, sneak peek for the news segment, maybe Nintendo is hinting at some things that might make their way over ooh. from 3DS to Switch. But in the meantime, let's move on to... Number two. Glory to Art Stotska, what's this? Is this Papers, Please? This is Papers, Please. All right. <laughs> this is another game that just does not really fit into any kind of genre. Maybe maybe it's time management, but not really. Maybe Mavis Beacon teaches typing is the closest thing. Mavis Beacon <laughs> teaches uh, simultaneous document juggling. It's, it's proofreading. This is a proofreading game. <laughs> they should train editors. Here, yeah, yeah, play, yeah. play Papers, please. Oh, man. Who, who else here has played this game or has not? I mean, I've played Papers, please. I have not played. I played on my iPad. I don't know that that's the most ideal way to play that game because... Uh, the touchscreen always felt a little finicky to me, so yeah. I would always feel like very stressed out and very depressed that I wasn't able to provide for my family because oh, that's I was that letting game. people yeah. in. You're, you're playing that game correctly, then. Yeah. That is exactly how that game <laughs> feels. the intended effect. <laughs> I was like, but <laughs> if only I could process people faster, I could serve the glorious motherland, and therefore... I could feed my son, and so he doesn't die. <laughs> no, uncle will have to die tonight. Yes, yes. This is the weirdest... So this had to make our list, because I was like, Michael, I think this, this there's no other game that has ever tried to be a proofreading life simulation game mm-hmm. based in a totalitarian government that we said, was, if you don't do your job well enough, you will not earn enough money, and you will have to start making hard choices of do we keep the heat on? Do we feed mm-hmm. our family tonight? Yeah. Like, Do we help the smugglers or turn them in? Uh, is Georgie Costava the most embarrassing piece of shit? Or is he your best friend? Georgie Costava is the best character ever. As he, he's like the, the this like short, fat, bald dude who, who comes in periodically and you have to like put him through a contraband screening and x-ray him and then you find like... What's this tape to your thigh? It's drugs! <laughs> well, the first time he shows up, he just shows you a passport that's obviously fake. And you're like, yes. uh, <laughs> you can't come in. He's like, what? But I got a real passport. Yeah. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's also really funny. It's surprising. For such a morbid game, there are mm-hmm. definitely some funny moments. And yeah, what it does over over each day 
it gets more and more complex with like as Michael said like eventually it introduces like x-ray systems at first it's just like hey check their passport check one other yeah. thing here's here's how the first uh, so if you haven't played this game you're a border patrol not border patrol but you're a border agent you're a, you're a customs agent and you have to process people going through the border and at first it's just like they show you your passport you check it for discrepancies you stamp it you're done that horrible voice is you saying next. Yeah, All right, done in about 18 seconds. This is the easy. only game on our list that lets you play one of the parents from Peanuts. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. After that easy first day, they start to introduce new rules and regulations, and every day it's something new. It's like, okay, now you have to x-ray everybody or now now you have to check for this thing and make sure that this stamp is in the correct place and everybody has to have this stamp now or you need to turn them away and uh it just becomes more and more complex and so you're trying to manage as many of these things as possible while they're taking up more and more of your very short day and uh because the more people you process the more money you make and mm -hmm. it depends on how many people get through the border and if you don't make enough money your family back home will have to starve or you'll have to turn the heat off which will make them sick and then they might die uh it it, it is really like you're you're constantly on the brink and because of that it is very tempting when bad actors come through and offer you bribes or offer you like Oh, if you um, if you get this next guy arrested, I'll talk to your superiors and I'll make sure that you get a promotion and mm -hmm. a, a bump in pay. Um, but you have to be really careful about how you use that money or else you'll get sniffed out for corruption. It, it, the whole time you're also paranoid. And I don't know if you have the sound here, but you're also just dreading the sound of a dot matrix printer printing out when you do fuck up. Because mm -hmm. the second you let someone through and make a mistake... It will. It effectively gives you like a citation. Yeah, it it finds you, right? Yeah, it gives you. Well, it, it says, "Hey, uh, yeah, you messed up here, and you get enough of those in a day, and it yeah, just takes off from your daily total." Mm -hmm. And I think it's also like it's a fail state if you do too many of them in one day. Yeah, or yeah. It's, but then you also have to contend with things like terrorist attacks later on, yes! and, and yes! like and the terrorist attacks are really intense because yeah. the 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 door slams shut. And then there's actually the explosion and everything, and you're like, "What the just ha happened?" Right? Because yeah. you you feel like you don't even know what just the heck happened uh, when a terrorist attack happens yeah. in that game. And when one does happen, like you have a few seconds because they like they give you this this tranquilizer dart, but it has to be unlocked with a key. So you have to like fumble for the key and put it in the lock and open the thing and grab the rifle and put the darts in. And oh, your friend died. Mm -hmm. Like that one soldier who was friendly with you, he's dead now. Because you weren't fast enough on the draw. Too yeah. bad. The other thing I want to point out is the creator of this game mm -hmm. went on to make one of our favorite games of last year. And a, and a game that, frankly, might even qualify for our list is Return of the Obra Dinn. Yes. It's a game which is a detective game where you relive memories and try to figure out... It's Clue. It's mm -hmm. like a super advanced Sort clue. of. Except it's, it's really... It's not just... 
who murdered this person. It's what the fuck happened to this ship? But it's and it's, everyone it's, on it. It's who murdered. It is clue because it's like who murdered so and so with what weapon? It, you have to describe. That's who, true. Yeah, who yeah. died and how they died and mm-hmm. who did it? If someone murdered it, it was. Uh, but yeah, it, but I love the fact that he went from making. This, which is this totally unique game type of papers, please. And, and this is very open ended, whereas Return of the Oberdin only really has one yes. outcome. Yes. But the fact that that same person created two completely different games with no crossover between the mm-hmm. two of them, other than pay attention. Like, if you could say his genre is, uh, it's, I guess, observation. <laughs> like, like, you know, just yeah. look for things. That's a good way to put it. Yeah which I was, I've been notoriously bad at my whole life with my eyesight, but I do love his games. So. It's too bad that the touchscreen is finicky, Cat, because I would imagine that that is a better way to control this than moving around a mouse pointer. You think so? The mouse makes it feel a little bit like a desk day job, though, which is kind of yeah, nice. That's true. Yeah. But I feel like I can move my, my finger faster than I can move a mouse. I don't know. There's just so many different elements to go through in a very short time, and you have to be really focused yeah. Yes, and it gets true. very stressful, and you have to uh, be a well. As you said, it's a proofreading game, right? Yeah. yeah. As as a professional copy editor, I feel like I'm better suited to handle this <laughs> game than a lot of people. Stand back, yeah. cracks knuckles. This I've is got my this. job. <laughs> I've got this. It's like cover. the old joke about uh, Guitar Hero. Screw that. Give me Photoshop Hero, and then I'll be really set because <laughs> then I can do the thing in my job. It's like copy editor here. Copy editor hero. Exactly. Call papers, please. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time to get into the inevitable. Well, I have that clip. I remember I remember showing this to my parents and they're like, What the fuck? (laughs) My reaction like this is one of those moments from the PS2 generation that is like indelibly burned into my mind where I saw people talking online about Katamari Damashi and like this is the best game ever. It's twenty bucks, you have to buy it. So I went out, I bought it, I got it home, and that fucking intro sequence came on as like just my sitting there with my mouth wide open like Diana you have to come see this there's like singing ducks and shit <laughs> this is amazing well the one rainbows I've been, and live fish yeah. it's it's just everything I forget which game it was but the one I was doing is there's one game where it's just like this acapella guy doing it by himself it's like na 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 I loved it I yeah, loved it same it's one just, well, I think that's that's the very beginning of the game, and then you like oh, you know, yeah. s- start the game and you pick a save slot, whatever. But. This game is so great, and we were trying to figure out like technically, it's sort of a puzzle game, sort, sort of, sort of. Certain levels. but like you actually called this out in your Death Stranding review, Cat. So I felt like this had yeah. to be number one. Oh yeah, I mean, so I think I talk about this in my review, but I initially kind of avoided Katamari Damashi A, because I was poor at the time and B, because it was weird. <laughs> like, I didn't really get it. <laughs> I was like, so wait a minute. It's a giant ball? I, okay, whatever. But then I got it for my birthday. And it's such a 
like immediately it clicks, right? Mm-hmm. You've oh, got yeah. a ball. There's some stuff. You start rolling the ball. Now you're collecting the stuff, and you just keep getting bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger until literally you're rolling up the world, yeah. <laughs> whole continents and clouds and things, and yeah. it is just the final level is just b- beautiful because you're the size Wonderful. of an, you start at the size of an ant, mm-hmm. and by the end you are godlike. Yeah, yeah, that's where the payoff comes for me. Is like the early levels don't always feel so great because the, the whole thing is you can't you can't roll up anything bigger than you, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's like yeah, you're, you're rolling up very small things and it doesn't feel that great. But when you when you get to the size where you start rolling up like entire islands of a mm-hmm. planet and eventually planets and then eventually stars, you're just like and then you're well, in the I ocean the, and you find the, a Godzilla the battle point is when you, you start roll rolling up people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and they sure. start making noises when they start screaming horrifically as you're getting them. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Or running away from you when they see you. Yes. And each level kind of has phases where there's certain sizes where it does that thing. It kind of blurs the screen and makes that weird, like, ring noise. And then all of a sudden you get the, the next level of size. Right. Yeah. 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 Where it's, it's, it's like... It's like this Russian doll phenomenon of there's there's a, a few different levels within each level because you start at these tiny sizes and then, yeah, it goes up, okay, next level, now you can get this, this next phase of size things and then you go up another level and it gets bigger and then, yeah, it's, it's usually by the end of each game where it's like you are ginormous. But the yeah. premise... And then at the end of every level, you get harshly judged by your dad. Yeah. <laughs> Like, hey, look at this. You've, you've made a piece of shit. This is a shitty star, and I'm, I'm going to lift mm-hmm. it into the heavens as the shit star. I hope you're proud of yourself, you little fuck. That's right. That's how the king of all cosmos <laughs> That's why talks. I always play yeah. as the cousins, so that uh-huh. he can't directly blame mm-hmm. his son. You know, it's not. It was it's, the other it's cousin. So, it's so weird, just because, uh, I don't know. Like, I was last time I was in Japan, I had a great time playing the arcade. The, uh, table flipping game in, arca- in arcades yeah. where you uh, have to wait to the right time to flip a table over with a bunch of food on it and it just oh. has a giant table peripheral. It, you can Google it. It's a real thing. Are you sure this isn't but a dream you had? No, it's a real thing. Come on, remember, this is the Ungabonga people oh, who brought us that. They, like, it's gonna exist. <laughs> oh, but I, like, yeah, not to sound racially insensitive, it's just like I think I always assumed stuff like this was being made in Japan. Uh, but why did this, why was this the one that broke through and came over? Well, sort of, I mean, Michael and I, we actually had to try to actively avoid, this entire list could have just been Japanese games. For some mm-hmm. reason, Japanese developers do love to try new stuff and experiment. And they especially love to do it in the PS2 generation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just, but I don't know what, what Namco was thinking, just because, like, I, I remember going, you were using the internet, I guess I wasn't. I was using the internet for like game facts and not not necessarily IGN mm-hmm. and the magazines had told me this game was out and I I can say a billion things about Katamari it's the most beautiful video game cover of all time it's the mo- has the most beautiful soundtrack of all time and I went into like the fucking electronics boutique every day like do you have this and eventually they're like dude what are you talking about <laughs> and I I probably wasn't pronouncing it correctly but like they had never heard of this thing and it had been out for like 2 months and the store would occasionally get like two at a time. Yeah. 
uh, because it was a budget game because Namco didn't have a ton of faith in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell you that's exactly when you said what, what was Namco thinking. We know what they were thinking because they charged twenty dollars for this game. Yeah. They were thinking no one's going to buy this thing. No sequel to this game came out for twenty dollars. I'll tell you that. That's, Maybe that we love Katamari weird. did. That but. was always weird. Is that yeah? It became this full price game, and you're like, wait a minute here. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not. We love Katamari was forty dollars, like it doubled oh, okay. in price, and it's one of the yeah. few games that got remastered and cost like four times more than the original game yeah. ever did. Yeah. <laughs> Namco immediately ran it into the ground. Yes. Oh, so yes, quickly. Clear. I feel like that happened too. Like I remember buying Demon Souls for like twenty dollars very quickly after its release, and so. But then with Dark Souls, it's like, ah, actually, we can charge full price for these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like the there was a lot of diminishing returns. I don't feel like any of the Katamari sequels were as good as the original. No, and, no, and but it, at the same time, it's weird that this didn't have more imitators. Like I can think of exactly one. It was like called like the Wonderful End of the World on PC. Mm. But beyond I mean, that, is it a game that you can easily imitate? It has such a unique style and gameplay mechanics. Like anything that tries to imitate it, it's just going to come off as a lesser copy. I feel. Yeah, there's yeah. The, the game. Everything uh, from I think it was last year, or two years ago on PC, <laughs> yeah. sort of cops a little bit of the Katamari thing, but not not exactly copies it. Hmm. But yeah, still one of my favorite game trailers. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's weird, like like you said, it was diminished returns, but like, and yet all the games sort of blend together in my mind where I really couldn't tell you which game and maybe a specific level was from. Like, I do remember certain specific levels. Though. I remember one game had like a Hansel and Gretel level where you're trying to like roll up like the candy house, mm-hmm. and I couldn't no, remember. Couldn't, right. couldn't tell you which level. I remember one one of the games had like a school where you're trying to roll up like everything in the classrooms, but yeah, but they were, they were all just great. And, and it seemed like that premise they could have continued for a very long time like i don't i mean ultimately it must have been sales dictated ah people are kind of over this thing but Mm -hmm. i feel like they could continue to put these out if they if they just kind of smartly did it every few years and people would pick them up and play them because it's it's always fun and it's always weird and it's always silly and why not well i told my partner that my partner loves katamari damashi and i said Mm. well you know it's out on switch now as an hd version she was like you will buy this thing for me immediately <laughs> and put it on my Nintendo Switch. And I was like, okay. Because she was lamenting that she she just 100%ed, 100%ed the Goose game. Uh, which I feel yeah. is like the spiritual successor to Katamari. Yeah, sure. yeah I right. can see that. Similar art style, similar mm-hmm. sense of pure mm-hmm. chaos. Yes. <laughs> I, I, feel, uh, I feel like that was always kind of treated with kid gloves. Like, you are essentially ending the world in Katamari. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and all you but get it, for story is a little a similar... girl going, oh, the cosmos, I feel it. <laughs> they, they both have a similar distaste for all of humanity. Yes. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. I think that, that's the magic of the, the original Katamari is because, like, I used to write about, you know, examine games professionally and everything I could think to add to Katamari, but only make it worse. Mm -hmm. Adding different level types, like try and stay in the cones. Like, ooh, fuck that. How would this be better than the first game? Mm -hmm. Which is just like this slow progression through this little Japanese Italian village until you eventually roll it all the fuck up. (laughs) And and it's so perfect and it's so it's so beautiful. I, I I don't know. Like I just I have. One of my favorite memories of like, you know, you worked in the games industry a while and you're like, did that really happen? Like, did I really go to a 
video game event at Foreign Cinema that kept Japanese uh, Namco developers up in the middle of the night so I could play, so I could preview My Beautiful Katamari's online multiplayer <laughs> uh, <laughs> mode. Like, I did do that, didn't I? Yeah. I absolutely did that. Mm-hmm. And there was an online multiplayer mode for My Beautiful Katamari, and I remember we, we did a stupid feature on, like, the most quickly abandoned multiplayer lobbies, and that was one of them. <laughs> Sad. And, yeah, but well, nobody, nobody boy lasted a long time. Yeah, that's. But it wasn't. Kata Takahashi went on to do some weird shit. Yeah. Well, uh, because he didn't come from the gaming space, right? He was a. Wasn't he like? Either he started as a playground designer, or that's what he did after he did Katamari. Like he went and like was designing playgrounds. Like he he wasn't like a game producer by trade. He he was this weird artist type guy. And that's why Nobi Nobi also kind of makes the list because, like, I still don't, I couldn't tell you what the heck Nobi Nobi Boy no, actually is. I, I couldn't either. Wasn't there some experiment where it tied with something like NASA was doing or someone was trying to get to the. Was you were trying to eat enough shit to get to, to stretch your body into space. Yeah, and it was like everybody who was playing it, their collective body links were being added to the. The, it was like Nobi Nobi girl that was stretching out yeah. into space. And I remember yeah. when they, they announced, like, oh, she made it to, like, Pluto or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, crazy. Uh, but that game was mostly just about eating things and pooping them out and becoming longer. <laughs> oh, so that was my life. The game. Yeah. The human centipede of video games. Yay. Yeah. No, 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 Just no, in no, time no, for no. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? I hate that. And he's also working on Watam, or Watam, which is supposed to Watam. supposed to come out this year and looks really strange. Really? And I also don't know what that's about. Well, I don't know. It's one of those. I don't December remember it 31st. being on any release schedules, but maybe. Yeah. It's, I think it was in a recent it. direct. Yeah, it was. Is, is, is it one of those things that's exclusive to that yellow system that Michael pre-ordered that I forgot the oh, name of? the on? one with the fishing reel on it? Uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's not on that. But he is making I was going to be like, that. oh, you mean the Nintendo Switch? or Light? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, the one with the little crank that you turn. That thing. I, I think it's so stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love handheld systems. And my God, it has a freaking crank on it. It sounds, it is something that it's Silicon Valley, the system, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. we're creating this bespoke system and you're going to be part of this exclusive club. Where we're going to deliver a brand new curated experience every month to you. Like, what? Get the fuck yeah, out of here with you your know fine what the games are, systems. but you'll pay for it. Yes, pay in advance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Fuck off. Well, if we're talking about that silly thing, it's probably time to take a little break. Uh, <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff. So stay tuned. <laughs> Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 30, 20, 10. Here's a clip from 1999. American Pie was a phenomenon with uh, five, five, four sequels and three straight-to-video sequels. Yeah. But American Pie is all about guys trying to get laid, especially through the eyes of Jim, Jason Biggs, who I think is actually... 
pretty fun. I like that. I, I've always liked Jason Vick, and I'm try- I can't even remember what the pie scene is because oh, he fucks it. No, no, yes, <laughs> I recall. But uh, I his penis. <laughs> but I saw both move the the first two movies in theaters, and the MPAA always has a cut to suggest. So the DVD has if you watched if you watched it more on DVD, you have a different fucking scene. So what do you remember him doing with the pie? Honestly, I don't remember. Like I've kind of blocked. Did that his dad out. come in and he has the pie plate over I his crotch? Think so yeah. So in the right. unrated unrated DVD, he's on the counter fucking it. Oh, and- <laughs> missionary style. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Can you do doggy with a pie? <laughs> I mean, not if you're the giver. Uh, bend it over the fireplace. And like... But you can do reverse cowgirl. <laughs> How do you reverse it? It's round. Well, the pie plate's away from you. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, the pie plate is its underwear. <laughs> I think it's all but. <laughs> Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. And welcome back to our final segment where we will not slowly belabor any you points or not push a button that triggers this sound. Oh man, Death Stranding. Almost took you as long to get there as Death Stranding takes to reach a point. Oh. To make man. a point. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I did enjoy the, the video review that Tim Rogers did for Kotaku, which is like, no, we have a written review and we have the video review, which is five different reviews, uh, like reviewing it as a game, as a pet, as a, as a bunch of other things. Is but that he, the one he did before Embargo Broke and so it, he doesn't isn't really able to talk about the game? I or? mean, it was when the review embargo hit oh, okay. that it went up. Yeah, you could do a review of Death Stranding, but you couldn't yeah. do supplementary material. Right. And so Kotaku's solution was to do a written review and a video review. Aha. Uh-huh. And the video review uh, just seems to be mostly shots of uh, Norman Reedus pulling out his broken toenail. Oh, you. repeatedly. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going there when you said Which no is funny because that's not really his. a thing in Death Stranding. It's not something yeah. I ever really did. Ah, okay. I guess it's what happens when your shoe breaks. Yeah, when your shoes wear out. Cat, uh, um, I have one question for you. Okay. What, what the fuck is Death Stranding? Or what, what is it about? What the fuck is it? What is it about? <laughs> that's not one question. That's five questions. <laughs> um... Man, I've been trying to explain this to people for, like, all week. <laughs> uh-huh. Sorry. And I guess the elevator pitch is it's a game set in the end of the world in which you are delivering items across a ho- hostile landscape. Uh-huh. And the crux of the game is uh, when you're delivering a thing, rather than getting easily from point A to point B, the traversal is the hard part. And so you just have to be really good at organizing your backpack you have to be like well prepared for your journey, which is going to take some time and effort. Um, and along the way, you're going to run into evil ghosts um, and also bandits who are the descendants of deranged Amazon delivery men. Uh, so yeah, also you're carrying a baby, which can see mm-hmm. into other dimensions, and they live in a jar. Uh, so yeah, there are many layers, to, like an onion. This game has you're layers. Making me, you're making me, th- me think it sounds like the Monster Hunter of hiking. <laughs> it's funny you mention Onion because it sounds like an Onion article, what you just described yeah. there. None yeah. of that shit made any sense <laughs> whatsoever. Well, it doesn't make sense until you play it. 
No, like you could no, say, no, no. well, you could say like, oh, Norman Reedus has uh, uh, grenades with his that use his own shit, and you're like, that's <laughs> painfully ridiculous. And then you play the, the game, the and you're like, well, you know, it makes total mm-hmm. sense because you know the BTS, like you kill that, you kill them with his blood, and of course that means all of his bodily fluids work. And you're like, why am I like rationalizing this shit? <laughs> The shit. The uh, game uh, makes you want to buy there. in. Oh, uh-huh. That's awesome. Is it is it true? What were you saying, Matt, earlier? That like the the ending cutscene is longer than some movies? That's what I'd heard. Oh, it's is... two hours. Oh my god! It's literally two hours, and it's not it's not just one long cutscene. There are interactive elements to it. Oh, okay. Such as skip cutscene. <laughs> I I can't strictly speaking, I can't say anything about this, but. I can say that it's like two hours. It is quite long. Okay. Well, I mean, the game will be out by the time that this uh, this goes live. So yes, chat away. But they have an insane embargo, though. Oh. Right. Because they got everybody to agree to continue to hold information until like the eleventh of November. Wow. Yeah, what? I think I think I saw that. Like it's it's so part of the, the fun of it is the mystery of not knowing about it. So like, yeah, they didn't want spoilers out there. Yeah, I don't want spoilers. As out if the spoilers podcast. weren't already out there everywhere. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm there to be honest. I, I, I asked you what it's about, but at the same time, it's like I don't really want to know. I want to experience it for myself. Like whatever they've done marketing wise, it's worked on me because it's like, well, yeah, I want to try it for myself. It's almost like I don't need to know what other people say about it. Was it, was it the Rick and Morty commercial that got you? You were out here on the wasteland, Morty, and you got the baby. Uh, that was weird too. That's that, that might be true. one of the weirdest things about the, this. That's game, that but, first party money, man. Dude, but it's 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 like at this point, I just want to kind of see it for myself. You know, there are certain things you're like, no, nah, I just it's fine. I because because listening to you describe it, Cat, I'm like, I don't know any more than I did a minute ago. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> not that you did a bad job describing it, but it still makes zero sense. Like you said, you kind of have to play it to understand why shit grenades are a thing in this game and so yeah i want to play it uh, yeah. i mean just think it's evangelion for 2019 you know oh yeah that's turned me. evangelion into a video game nice uh yeah. but yeah that they, they don't actually identify them as uh the descendants of deranged amazon delivery men oh they? no they totally do amazon they use the word amazon they don't use the word Amazon, oh, okay. but they refer to them as delivery people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get too deep into the lore, but suffice it to say, there are like, like making political commentary, and I guess it's trying to say that effectively, um, the people now who do not have a place in the current economy, in this future, eventually there's an automated service economy, and the government gives these people jobs just for the sake of giving them jobs so that they'll shut up or something. Huh. And subsequently, these people then become addicted and twisted to delivering cargo. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your cargo. I have to deliver it myself. I no, mean, I don't want to open it. I never knew that I wanted... I, I saw a comment uh, that I, I could not agree with more. I never knew I wanted Kevin Costner's The Postman <laughs> to be adapted <laughs> to a video game more than this, but but here we are. Well, this, two, two things have made me think a lot lately about how, uh, how much we've become dependent on delivery people in the modern economy and how much we take them for granted. Uh, first off, mm. this is, is kind of like turning it into this post-apocalyptic... Uh, hero's story 
But then there was also an incident I remember reading about in Japan where there was like this 60-something floor building that lost all its water and power and that allegedly uh, someone had gone online claiming to live on like the 30th floor and saying that they had like bought a case of water on Amazon and because the power was out, the delivery person had to walk this case of water up 30 floors and gave them an earful when they delivered it. And the guy was complaining. And he's like, what? It's his job. He shouldn't complain. It's He should just be happy he has a job. Like, what the fuck? People get yeah. real entitled when it comes yeah. to service jobs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why Mads Mikkelsen is he's the antagonist in this. All he does is just complain uh-huh. about the late deliveries. Yeah. He has a ring system on his on his front stoop you see and every time you go on there he just bitches at you like hey just leave the package and go that's yeah, that's yeah. all he does he no, don't like throw i just it. want to say yeah. mads nicholson is mickelson he is uh the best part of this game really yeah he's awesome his he's performance is tremendous things he yep. was great which teams it was casino royale Casino Royale. oh my god and so but, good in that. but if you if you like you some mads mickelson you gotta watch hannibal mm-hmm. which is amazing and uh, I, I really want to see him in something with Michael Madsen just because they have exact opposite names. <laughs> it, does, it does seem like the, the Norwegian name for Michael Madsen. <laughs> <laughs> that got a bigger laugh than I'd hoped for. It shouldn't have. It shouldn't have but I, I'm, as a fan of dad jokes and a dad myself, yeah, fucking A plus over here. Well, Kat, can, I, can you say what you gave, what score you gave the game? Sure, I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Ultimately, I thought it had some really neat ideas, but I also thought that the core of the game got just a little too tedious and probably really overstayed its welcome by about 10 hours. Well, I, th- I think it, it says something that even people who like the game uh, complain about the tedium from what I've seen in the reviews. I mean, there are just there are instances where it's like, yes, I get the point. Okay. Yeah, I'm delivering another package. I'm going. I'm back. I'm going back across the same route that I took before. Okay, here we go. And ultimately, there are only so many times where you can cross the mountains. You trudge through the mountains and you avoid the PTs carrying the packages. And here come the mules. And eventually, you get to point B, and you're like, "Thank God, that's over." Okay, I'm going to talk to the damn hologram again. Where I'm going next? Okay, mm. off we go. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot to recommend this game. If if this game could have been such a disaster, like I could have just hated this game with every fiber of my being. So mm-hmm. I think it's actually kind of a miracle that I ended up going, all right, uh, ultimately I thought this game was okay. Like, or at least b- above average. I predicted disaster. I really did. Oh yeah, I thought it would be horrible, actually. I was like really nervous going in going, oh my God, is this going to be like a garbage fire? And mm-hmm. no, it's not a garbage fire. It's fine. And I, I, I should say I don't want it to be. I just, I feel like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to describe Kojima's relationship with Konami, but there was clearly a. He was a difficult to restrain, and with like no restraint, I was terrified because, like, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I, like I couldn't even get into the last Metal Gear game. Um, Kojima unleashed, baby. Mm, Limiters yeah, I, off. I thought it could be a little batshit, but uh, I also it is batshit. <laughs> I, I also admire Sony for. Just taking that chance, though, like uh, you know, they're not they're not putting out. I don't know if they're going to put, put out Team Ico games anymore. Is their prestige like art? Let's let the community talk about. I bet this if for Activision 10 years. had gotten Kojima, they would have canceled it as soon as yeah. they saw the concept. Mm. 
that, yeah. that kind of shit. Probably. Like it, it found a home, a high budget home, and from what I, from all I, what I hear, it's very pretty. It's it's got its own, it's using its own engine or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, it's using the Horizon Zero Dawn engine. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Guerrilla Games was uh, helping out significantly with uh, the creation yeah. of it. I heard they were pretty uh, heavily involved with the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably they got called in to be like, uh, "You need to finish this game off." It's your god. Yeah. Some adults need to take the reins. <laughs> you know, like there are some movies where you finish watching the film and you're like, and you're like, oh, that was all right. And then a few days later, you either forget about it or you have a significantly worse outlook on it. Yes. yes. For me, it was like I finished and I was like, oh, the, what was? I don't know what my opinion is on this game. That's I have to think about this one. Considering you have to write a review. <laughs> Well, yeah, that was the difficult yeah. thing. And then after I finished the review and everything and let it kind of marinate in my brain, like I feel like a lot of the tedious aspects of it have washed away and mostly I remember the good. Mm, and I'm good. like, oh, yeah, that was actually a pretty good game. And I don't know, like when I finished the game, I was like, uh, I don't think I would put this on my like top 10 of the year or anything. It's difficult to recommend. Like it was interesting, but yeah. ultimately I'm so glad to get this out of my life. And now I'm kind of like, oh, you know, that was certainly a unique experience. One of the more interesting experiences of the year. Probably I'd put it in my top 10. Hmm. So like yeah. I've softened on it considerably, I would say. You were describing my exact experience with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, sure. For real, like I, I was in the theater. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, mm. <laughs> get to the point. Yeah. And then, like, and then, like, I we get to the theater. I'm like, Jesus, why did it take so long to get to that? And then we kept talking about it. And then the next day we talked about it. And then the next day we talked about it too. And then we did a podcast about it. And then I couldn't stop talking about it. And then I realized I think I had more fun with this than I imagined. Yeah, mm. uh, I was just warts and all. I was uh, just it was so jarring because it was so different. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I I want to applaud something so different in the like mm. you said earlier in the mainstream space. And it, but it works on its own merits too. Mm. Like I think the stealth stuff is actually pretty fun. Okay. Uh, like when you're dealing with the mules, I think the traversal stuff uh, just on its own is good. Like there's a really solid uh, kind of loop of going out into the hostile wilderness and then uh, subsequently getting into a safe house and that feeling of relief when you collapse into a bed. Uh, there's a, and then the online stuff is really, really good. Like it's dark souls level good. So, I mean, there's a lot of really neat stuff about this game. And then ultimately I did like the story actually, Hmm. like even the baby stuff works like, and I (laughs) did not expect the baby stuff to work. I don't, even like kids like no mm-hmm. no offense to people who have babies or anything but like i don't particularly find <laughs> babies adorable or anything but kojima i mean he totally gets you invested in that that kid in a jar you know like mm-hmm. you do actually and you know why it's because the kid gets scared and the game encourages you to pick up the jar and soothe it. You have to rock it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you rock it. Don't and shake so, that baby, though. And then it's kind of like sucking his thumb and everything. And you, because you're looking into its eyes, that primal attachment is happening. And you want to protect it. Uh, I can feel this working on me. Like, when you become a parent, you 
you get weird emotions and cry over weird things and weird attachments and like yeah having that happen again i can't wait to try it i was going to ask you cat is this some so some things are memorable because they are just so jarringly different hmm. but it sounds like this this is partially that but is it also memorable because like you said it's it's good of its own merits or it sounds like it's this game that has incredible moments of tedium, but then there's also like some really rewarding moments where it all does come together. Mm. And is it memorable because of that? Or is it just the weird differentness of this game that's making it memorable or stand out to you? I mean, both. Mm. I mean, on the one hand, just the kind of all over the place story and, you know, babies in jars and all that (laughs) poop grenades, but also, uh, so the first time you ever encounter BTs, and uh, it's just such a beautifully well-done segment where the little radar thing comes out very slowly, and the the ambiance that's around you, and the fact that you can't see these things, mm-hmm. and you feel totally helpless... And you're just like, crap, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And the first time it gets hold of you and sucks you into the mud, and then you're just running away from a giant tar monster that's coming after you, and you're just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. The fact that you don't have a gun to start is brilliant because you feel so helpless and you feel so limited. And that just adds so much to the tension of the game. I think that's the best creative choice that they make in this game is not giving you really weapons for the first like three chapters. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, Kojima's always been really good at um, creating moments. You know, there, there might not always be cohesion with his stories and, and how the mm. moments even string together, but it's like he's, he's always been very good at creating memorable segments you know like the, the, when i when i look back at all of his games it's like oh yeah i'll remember this this segment from metal gear solid 5 i'll remember this moment from this other game i might not remember how all the story played together and adds up together but it's like yeah i'll remember these little little pieces of things here and there i think that's what he's for me at least what he's really good at yeah i thought it was interesting and i i'm not calling out any reviewer i'm just saying that maybe i had a different outlook on it somebody said that they really, really hated this segment where you're, and it kind of, it was an extended run, and you're going through this insane snowstorm and everything, and they hated that segment. They found it just the worst. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? I thought that segment was awesome because yeah. I could feel the uh, the wind on my face and the snow and the intensity of everything, and I could barely see. And I'm just trudging one step at a time through the snow with my cargo on my back, just trying to get to my destination. And it's exhausting. It's not It's not a relaxing experience. I thought it was a weird thing to say that this game is relaxing because it's the opposite of relaxing to me. Mm-hmm. Like, every run was, like, a stressful thing. But at the end, like, I certainly wasn't bored. Sure. Well, that's good. I mean, it could get tedious, but I think tedium, tedious and boring is different. Because, hmm, like, tedious is just like, oh, this is repetitive. Boring is like, this is a waste of time. Yes. Right. Well, do you get to listen to 80s power ballads as you're trekking through the landscape? God, I wish. Actually, oh, no. Man. It's much more of a chill kind of the CDs that you would find in stores that mm-hmm. also sell alpaca jackets. Oh, okay. Or Starbucks, oh, like those. <laughs> Yes, yes. 
I was going to ask, is this, is this the perfect podcast game? A game you can just load up a bunch of podcasts? Hmm. Maybe. Wasteland. I don't know. Like, the ambiance is such that I kind of liked having just... Like, I did actually listen to some podcasts while playing this game. Mm-hmm. But I weirdly could not focus on the podcast while that was... And I kind of gave it up, so... Some games are better podcast games than others. I don't know that this is a great podcast game. Listen to Laser Time. Nothing important is ever said. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I I asked specifically about the power ballads because I just realized, like, that might have been what made Metal Gear Solid V my favorite game. Just these moments of, like, Mm. trekking through this huge wasteland, but, like, listening to uh, fucking... I I can't can't even remember any of the bands that were in it. Man Who Sold the World. Yeah, 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 sure, that one. The Bowie but, cover, though. It wasn't even Bowie. It yeah, was, but there, there was, like, Love Will Tear Us Apart by I forget who, but, like, yeah, just just these these really great uh, things that's like, yeah, it's raining in the desert, and I'm inching slowly toward an airport. This is amazing. I think Metal Gear Solid Five actually might be the most underrated game of the generation. Ah, oh, yes, yeah. thank that's, you. That's my game of the generation, period. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Really? Yeah, yeah. I it's not going to... We're doing a top 100 games of the decade, and it's not going to be on our list. What? And... Uh, not even in the 100? It hasn't held up from us. Its reputation is not held up. Like, the first thing everyone always says is, oh, it's not finished, which I think is a kind of an unfair argument. Uh, but it's not. I, I, most of my beef is with the story. Ultimately, I think Death Stranding yeah. tells a better story, but from a pure gameplay standpoint, I think Metal Gear Solid Five is miles better than Death Stranding. Like, it blows it away. It's weird, because it was unlike every other Metal Gear game where I thought usually the, the story and the... It was That was the more memorable parts of the other games, and whereas with Five, it was more the gameplay. Like, those are the moments I remember way more than any of the story stuff, other than maybe, maybe the big reveals. Anyway... That'll be on our list. We're going to have competing lists. Game of the decade, baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I'm excited. <laughs> well, you know, Polygon put theirs out. And yeah, we, which yeah. was... Uh, uh, mm. I we, have, all had, uh, we all had opinions on that list mm. well, <laughs> on our Slack, I, I, I got to say. We caught one of their entries was, was not from this decade. It was their number one entry, and I don't want to cast dispersions, but didn't that come Uh-oh. out in 2009? Which one was that? That was Minecraft, Minecraft. yeah. Oh, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, we our rule is that if it went into full release this decade, then mm, we'll that, that must be what it was. So Minecraft yeah. was technically and, and also like you you can argue easily that it's like that is easily the most important game of the decade. Like this is the game yeah. that shaped a lot of gaming. It habits. shaped a generation. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. there. It's a generation's Mario. Absolutely. Sure. It's still it's still shaping generations. Yeah, still going. that's the reason Fortnite's the number one game right now. Yeah. Like I mean, if if you want to, like, strictly speaking, I would say Minecraft has had as big an impact on game gaming as Mario ever did. Has it had as big an impact as Luigi's Mansion 3? Oh, yes. <laughs> Which did come out this week. Uh, I've been playing the crap out of that. I'm sure Chris has, too. Not the crap, not, not the crap out of. I, I've, had, I've had a busy Halloween weekend. Uh, not the crap grenade out of. Yeah. No, I had Halloween parties until November second. I don't know. Wow, I'm jealous. Parties in a long time. Did you have costumes for every single one of them? Just one, Roger Rabbit, baby. Courtesy of some, I don't know. I would guess near slave-ridden Asian country. Courtesy of Amazon. It you was one of the worst Jessica costumes Rabbit. I ever bought. I, I that I, I don't want to spoil what I'm going to do next year, but from here on out, 
I'll is it be Jessica Rabbit? No, no, but but no, it's Jessica but if Rabbit. I'm do, if I'm gonna do store bought costumes, I'm not gonna do any more male ones. How about that? There you go. Mm-hmm. So it's problem solved. Mm-hmm. I just haven't shaved my legs in a while. I want to see what that what that does to me. <laughs> you afraid you might awaken something in yourself about yourself? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> pop a bunch of DeviantArt boners next year for Halloween. Wear <laughs> them as part of a costume. Uh, but Luigi's Mansion Three, yeah, uh, is really really good. Uh, is it Gooigi? Yes. Good. Well, that is, was actually an unexpected thing because Gooigi was introduced in like the 3DS remake. Yes, it's of by the way, it's Gooigi's coffee. Mansion. It's coffee. He's made up. Coffee. It's coffee and, okay. and slime. But it, this this game acts like he's being introduced. I'm also for made the first of coffee time. and slime. By the way, uh, I just ditto, ditto, especially nice. during allergy season. Yeah, but but in in uh, the remake of Luigi's Mansion, he's like the second player character for when you're playing co-op. This time around. He is an integral part of your arsenal. You can switch over to playing as him at any time, and he can slip through, like, the bars of cages or uh, grates or other things. Yeah, like and, the T-1000. Yeah, the only thing is that his his weakness is water. So if he touches it, uh, he will immediately evaporate and go back into your, your backpack, and then you'll have to figure out another way around. Um, but that game is, it is like, it's it has a very different vibe from the first one. The first one's the only other one that I played. It it feels a bit more similar to how I imagine Dark Moon is. How um, so? Well, in that it has uh, more encounters with uh, less special ghosts, I guess, that there are they're the, the goobs, the basic ghosts that are, are just always floating around in mm. different places. Uh, and in Luigi's Mansion 3 especially, like I feel like I'm obsessively vacuuming everything all the time. Yeah. It's like, oh, curtains? That's coming right down. Oh, got some money. That was very much uh, too. There's a fruit bowl on, on this table. I'm going to knock it over and vacuum up all the fruit. Now there's some mice out, and I'm going to vacuum them up as well. That, that was part of the charm of 2, though, is you're, mm-hmm. you're searching for coins. Yes. And so, but... I don't know. I don't. I, maybe Cat and Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't actually remember two having like run of the mill enemies as much as every room is a puzzle, and you're you're meant to try to find the ghosts in each room, and part of that is sucking up everything possible to try to try to get the ghost out of hiding. And I do remember two trying to use the 3ds's 3D features a lot to try to like look around things and find the ghosts and spot them to get them out. So. It's, it's prettier than normal. I just I was astonished that like mm. man, I haven't seen a ghost yet, and they've already rendered the currency system useless. Mm. I, have, I have three thousand of what of what? Yeah. Well, the, you don't even like you you can gather a bunch of money, and you don't even uh, unlock a thing to spend it on until a couple hours into the game. Really, yeah. like, and it just it made coin coinage as useless as the regular Mario series. I'm like, kudos! Mm-hmm. It only took you three games. I mean, you will eventually be able to spend it on something um, with with Egad, Professor. Yes, E-Gad. Professor Egad will sell you stuff like golden bones that will bring you back to life, and if if you die, and and really, that's just like the Polter Pup, who's your constant companion, will come and uh, lick you back to life, and uh, then you'll. You'll get your second wind and can go after those ghosts again. I, I do love the Polter Pup. Mm-hmm. I got to give a shout out to just, you know, it's it's not Halloween anymore, but a shout out to all ghost dogs, Zero and Forrest Whitaker. Yes, uh, especially Forrest Nadia Whitaker. wrote that about that uh, for US Gamer about how much she liked the Polter Kitty. Oh, Ooh. The Polter, is, is there a Polter Kitty the Polter in the Kitty. game? 
Or am I, um, or am I mistaken? It might have been the Polter Polter Pup. Pup. Huh. Yep. Nice. Hmm. Uh, Michael, you, you said there's one thing this game does that I don't think the other games did Plungers! Either. Yes, plungers. But then you said you can also beat the shit out of ghosts against the floor and stuff like that to weaken them? I, th- I thought you could do that in two, where it's like you an can. essential thing where you, you vacuum them up. And once you you have them, like, you you need to, like, pull back on the stick to fill a meter, and then the A button prompt appears, and you just jam on A button, and you start, like, judo slamming them into the floor with your vacuum, and you can slam them into other ghosts, which also makes them solid, which normally you have to use your flashlight to do that. And you're forgetting one other thing you have to do. Pretend the mechanic is not from a fishing game. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> it's feels totally very... from a fishing game. <laughs> Those games have always been really good about like the feel. Like you feel tension when when you're pulling back on that yeah, stick. Yeah, yeah. But but the the plungers also I want to talk about because you can you can fire a plunger with like a rope handle, and you go and you vacuum up the rope handle, and then you can pull and throw uh, solid objects the same way that you would ghosts. So like if there's a trunk in your way or something, you can attach a plunger to it and uh, pull it away and then just throw it over your shoulder and smash it. And it's great. You can nice. do that constantly with stuff. Nice. Um, it, it looks it looks very... I say this about all the Luigi's Mansion games. It's like they're all solid like eight and a halves, man. Yeah. Like they're not the most... They're not like Game of the Generations or anything, but it's like if you want a solid, fun game, mm-hmm. like you cannot go wrong with the Luigi's Mansion games. I, f- I feel like the original Luigi's Mansion has grown in esteem a lot. I feel like when it came out, a lot of people were like, it's a, it's a 7 yeah. out of 10. I'm real salty that this is a Mario 64, mm-hmm. but in yeah. HD. Yeah. And since then, people have kind of come to appreciate it on its own merits. And while it's not, not exactly a top tier series, I think plenty much like Luigi himself, mm. uh, I think people have come to appreciate its kind of unique charms. And I think the original Luigi's Mansion in particular is held in relatively high esteem these days. I, I think part of that, I might have my timeline reversed, but it's because Luigi's Mansion came out before Mario Sunshine did. And so mm-hmm. it was like there was this big void of a Mario title on the GameCube. And then along comes Luigi's Mansion. And then, like you said, well, Kat, Luigi's I, Mansion was like the launch game. It was the launch game. It was game, the launch yeah. title. And it's also like... Again, I say that all the time. You you look at a GameCube controller like, why the fuck is this like this? And then play Luigi's Mansion like, oh, because it was designed expressly for, for this. this game and almost yeah. nothing else. Well, and Smash. Apparently, if you, you got to have that controller to keep playing Smash. So they say. Which is funny because the original Smash Brothers Melee was not a big deal when it came out. Yeah. Like, it was seen as a second tier kind of Nintendo game online with Luigi, like it was not seen as a game that could carry a launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little true. Like the running joke at the time was Master Chief beat Nintendo's entire lineup in Smash Brothers. No. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Luigi's Mansion Three, very fun. Came out on Halloween, which is super fun yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I played not uh, the only Mario release this week. Oh, really? Uh, Mario and Sonic at ah, the Olympic Games yes. again. Tokyo Olympic Games. Yes, right. which which I played a little bit of, actually, because... Why? For our 10-year-old listeners? Because this has something that the previous ones did not, which is a story mode that uh, throws... Was it Mario, Sonic, Bowser, and Robotnik into... Uh, Back in time, they, they, there's like mm. this this trap video game that throws them back in time to the 64 Olympics. And really, it's just an excuse to be like, 
Now we have like six, eight, and sixteen-bit sprite-based versions of our characters oh, that compete in like two D uh, pixel art versions of these events. And at the same time, it goes back and forth between the quote unquote 1964 era and the modern era, which is like the the prettier, you know, events made for the Switch version of the game. But uh, yeah, it, like that that aspect kind of makes it a little bit neater. And even though it is like, yes, this is the typical track and field style minigame collection that you get with the Olympics every year. But uh but but that added wrinkle makes it interesting. I, I look forward to the mini gifts made out of things like the pageantry. Is, is the horse thing? Yes, <laughs> the horse thing. We were a little bit down on it in our review. Really? Yeah, because we hate joy. <laughs> How down is a little? I, we gave it a three out of five. Because mm. ultimately, it's uh, the mini games are pretty like, eh. And the, the story, I mean, they're fine. They're inoffensive. They don't... Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are okay for what they were. It's too bad that this game doesn't have a better party mode. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can pick them from a list, but there's not a real structure to the actual multiplayer. And then, you know, the story's fine. It's cute. Yeah. But at a certain point, it kind of runs, wears out as welcome. And you're like, okay, I'm done with that. It, it is a little weird that everyone talks in the story mode except for Mario and Luigi themselves, who just, like... Woohoo! And people are like, oh, you say that uh, Robotnik took them back in time. Well, that's weird. You know, things like that. So long, gay Bowser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, Chris, I, you, you were saying uh, Michael played this for 10-year-olds. I played the game for 10-year-olds this week. Uh, Just Dance 2020 came out. The last Wii game. Uh, yes, it yeah, is the Wii last game. Wii game of all time. Uh, I played this game because I have kids and... Mm-hmm. They're really fun games to play with your kids. So this this year's game does introduce yeah. something new. Full disclosure, you got a code for this for I free. Did. I did. And I did too. It introduces a new mode called All-Star Mode, uh, which is because Just Dance is 10 years old, Mr. 302010. You should know this. Uh, and so they are celebrating the 10-year anniversary by... The All-Star mode takes you back through the past 10 years of games, and it's basically just like the high, some of the, the most popular songs in the games from those 10 years. And it's But it's the closest that I've ever experience in a just dance game that has like a career mode which is kind of fun and again dude like if you have kids or whatever these are great games to play and there's three reasons other than all-star mode that i have for you to play this game and they are this billy eilish is bad guy uh old town road and baby shark this game has baby shark that's what else yep. do you need to hear go out and buy it <laughs> i i sang that almost in full to an almost two-year-old and it was like i prefer I like. I feel like I perform for people for a living. I have never done that well <laughs> than singing "Baby Shark" to an almost two-year-old. She, I killed. I killed. <laughs> they but, love that song, man. If I could ever have a set like that again, that'd be great. In terms of the game itself, it's just dance. There's, there's nothing. If you've played a just dance game, it's just dance. It's do, fun. do they have the the Gargamel? I like to move it, move it from the Just Dance Smurfs game that I got copyright flagged on and for YouTube. Pretty sure they uh, do not. It's. Sorry. It might be Damn in it. the unlimited. So. You know, every if you get a copy, you get that free 30 day trial for Unlimited, which is contains like a ton of songs from the past, and that's how you get your Frozen songs in there and your Moana songs in there, and that's that comes again. You get 30 days free with with the game, and that that expands because the library of the game itself is like 40 songs, and then with Unlimited, it's you're talking like in the hundreds maybe, but. Uh, Unlimited is 500. Five, yeah, there you go. It's just dance. You, why are we spending this long time about just dance? Um, Michael, you 
played Red Dead Redemption 2 on PC. I did. It's very pretty. It is. And you uh, got it very much like Just Dance 2020. Exactly. Yeah, it's a very good transition, gorgeous. very smooth. Uh, I played through the... Uh, <laughs> the it, it's 112 gigabytes, by the way, from, from the Epic Games Store. Woo! And uh, just playing through those early, very slow moments when you're in the mountains and... There was a, a part where, like in that early mission where you're, you're looking for John Marston, uh, you're on this peak and you can see for miles around you. And I was like, oh, I bet I could uh, see one of the cities if I peer out far enough. And realizing that like, even with the draw distance way up on PC, which is a new feature, it's just snowy mountaintops for miles in every direction. Like I can't see any green anywhere. This is kind of awesome, and it kind of gives you that that sense of like just how big the world is, which is very, very, very big. I heard I read something today that like there is not a processor currently available to consumers powerful enough to run the game at max settings yet. Like that's not uh, out. I could buy that, and like this game does give like if you're if you're a PC gamer and you like to have a lot of control over your graphic settings and stuff. There, there is like a whole locked advanced settings that it's like only unlock this if you know what you're doing. And it's like a bunch of stuff that's like, I don't know what any of this does. It sounds very impressive. Uh, well, I know what some of it does, but it's yeah, like, I, I, I shouldn't tinker with this. I see. That's that, but that's what being a PC gamer is all about. Is you yeah. want to tinker, yeah. But like you know, maybe maybe I don't need to adjust the level of volumetric shading or lighting. You're or missing whatever. out. Yeah. You're yeah, missing yeah, out, yeah. man. I'm telling you what. But you know, it's I I got it running. Um, it's got a, I think a an i7 4790K and a, a GTX 1080, and I. Got it running around 45 uh, frames per second, running, like, I, th- I think at 2K on a 4K TV. So, yeah, if, if that means anything to you, then uh, hooray. Those certainly were numbers. <laughs> they letters. were, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, cool. no, it, look, it looks really, really good. Um, yeah. If you enjoyed Red Dead Redemption 2 and you just want, like, the best possible looking version, or if you skipped it because you're a PC gamer, this is... A must-get. Uh, another game that came out this week, did anyone play Need for Speed Heat? Nope. Here, how about this? Raise your hand. Did anyone hear about Need for Speed <laughs> Heat before this week? We have no. a review copy in the office. Wow. You're <laughs> yes, ahead of me. It is being reviewed as we speak. Okay. Yeah, I, it, this came out of... I mean, I know it didn't really come out of nowhere. I do remember this being announced. It just feels very odd that this is the comeback year for this series that EA took some time off to say we're going to get this right. Yeah, there was one, I want to say, two years ago that looked great in E3 trailers and then did not perform well. And they said, no, we're going to take time off. We're going to do it right. And then they came back with this year's title, which might be good. I don't know. But normally you would hear a lot more about these titles in advance. It almost feels like EA is trying to bury it. Yes. Mm. Thank you for saying that. They had an event in London. Well, I, I think it's one of those review-proof games where, like, hats off to their marketing team. We're like, well, we don't need reviewers anymore. Like, it's just, there's probably a, a built-in half a million people who buy any Need for Speed game there is. I, I don't know that the, that that audience exists anymore. I, like, I, you're right. I'm not sure either because they're so different every time. Yeah. They, they, they do fluctuate between, like, ah, now you're running from the cops. Now you're smuggling packages. Now you're just racing. Yeah. There are always car nuts. Mm-hmm. Yes. And those car nuts play video games, 
to, I mean, because everybody kind of plays video games at least. They probably at least have a console. And they're like, uh, literally Googling racing games. And yeah. maybe they vaguely heard the name Need for Speed and just decide to pick it up for the hell of it. Oh, I remember that Aaron Paul movie. Oh, they made a game? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, also in a year where if you don't have a Forza title or Forza Horizon. They were probably really disappointed by El Camino. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then finally, this is this is a game. Um, it's not a brand new game, but it's a game, a recent game that I, I finally had time to play, and I have I've got a bone to pick with some people. Oh, you got a bone to pick! So I played through the campaign of Call of Duty Modern Warfare (parentheses 2019). Mm-hmm. Now that we have to do that, and as you guys know, I gather the news for the show every week, and and while doing so. Boy, do I stumble across a lot of think pieces on games. And boy, did I stumble upon a lot of think pieces all about Call of Duty Modern Warfare and how it doesn't say anything and how it's it's it's, it's glorifying war and all this shit. And I'm just like, having, having played through the campaign, I can tell you, you're right. It doesn't say anything. And not every video game has to. It is a dumb action popcorn Michael Bay ass fucking can you imagine I'm sure this happened at the time like if reviewers back in the day were like Arnold Schwarzenegger's commando doesn't have anything to say predator what's the irresponsible depiction of men with firearms but commando did have something to say and that something was that four barrel rocket launchers are much cooler than single barrel rocket exactly. launchers exactly <laughs> you Oh, it was total recall. <laughs> and that's about the level of, of Modern Warfare in the campaign. It is it's fun as shit. Hold on, Maddie. I would say that Call of Duty set that precedent for itself because it did have something to say. We're at the 10-year anniversary of Modern Warfare 2. And and they've always been very critical of politics and, and mil- the military-industrial complex. And, and espionage is... I have been... I don't know, criticized for talking about because, like, almost every one of these games results, like, uh, around you stealing hard drives <laughs> and, like, Call of Duty. Like, I don't disagree duty. with you that... Steal the hard drive. Pick off the hard drive on the left. I'll get the one on the right. Medal of Honor hard drive. What? Jesus. <laughs> I, I will not disagree with you. They, for years, have always tried to have something to say. But at the end of the day, it's a game that's trying to talk about how bad war is that then glorifies shooting and guns. And so it's always, okay. I have a food analogy because I love food and I love video games and I love when I can combine the two. It's like this. Sometimes you just want to go out and eat a really good cheeseburger, right? And cheeseburgers are great and steak is great, but sometimes you don't want a steak. Sometimes you just want a cheeseburger and a cheeseburger. Oh God, are you defending Duke Nukem forever? No, I'm not. (laughs) That was literally Randy Pitchford's defense. Please do not compare me to Randy Pitchford. But let me finish my analogy all really right, quick. Right, let, right. Really, let please, me finish my analogy. Finish. Okay. So sometimes you just want the cheeseburger. Sometimes you want the steak. But have you ever, at the same time, what in the past, what Call of Duty has tried to do, you ever go to a fancy restaurant where they try to upscale the cheeseburger and sell you the $50 cheeseburger mm-hmm. and the cheeseburger is trying to be something it's not? They stick a fucking not. serrated knife through right. it and pretend it's worth yes. $20. Right. And it's still a fucking cheeseburger at the end of the day. And it can only go so far. It can only rise to a certain level because it's a cheeseburger. But that's okay. Just be yourself. Be a cheeseburger. Okay, I take it back. That was a much better analogy than Randy Pitchford. So what the Call of Duty people have tried to do sometimes is they try to have a message, and they try to be more than they are, which is, you're just a dumb action game, and that's okay. 
okay, embrace that. You don't always need to, to try to do more. And I I've, I saw, read some interviews with their producer or director out there saying, oh, well, this game is just teaching people about these things. And maybe, dude, but just be like, ah, oh, come on. You know what? This is my dumb action game. It's a six-hour campaign. It's super fucking fun. And just play the game and shut the fuck up. I think everybody would be willing to say to just let it be a cheeseburger if they weren't, you know, the first thing they showed wasn't this really intense sequence where you have to decide whether you're going to shoot a lady and like a civilian thing. And they're like, now it's like really hardcore and showing war, how it really is and everything. But well, that's, you might have to kill a baby. So my point is they've always done this clumsily, (laughs) right? But what these games are really good at. And I, by the way, I only play the campaign. You guys know, I'm not going to go mess. I'm not even talking multiplayer. I'm just talking campaign. And, like, what the campaigns of Call of Duty games have always been about is, like, creating these memorable sequences. And so this game has a ton of that shit. Like, early mission in there, I'm flying remote-controlled airplanes that have bombs rigged to them and blowing up, like, enemy bunkers with this shit. Oh, that was freaking awesome. It was fucking amazing, dude. And that's fun and dumb. It's dumb fun. And, yes, I get that sometimes they try to be more than they are, and it's like, sometimes you just want a popcorn game. I'll admit it's clunky, but, like, the only other analogy i could make is that like things are weird now and they expected that the the game that made harsh statements and brash decisions to do that again and they didn't and that's it's like snl premiering in 2019 and not having anything political to say but it's also this is the series that brought you press f to pay respects it's been clunky for years it's been clunky. Yeah, i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you but and like that's they the set game the with precedent. kevin spacey <laughs> they set the precedent especially if you played the campaigns and the Treyarch games there's a lot of criticism about you know warfare there and and that's still in here it's just like it's like yeah it it's like at a cursory level, right? It's 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 like a critique of War 101. It's like entry level college course where it's like, it's not going to get too deep, but there's still right. it, it it's still doing some like yes, there are scenes where it's like depicting like hey, this is how terrible war is where you play as this little girl and this the soldier's literally like killing her dad in front of her and you have to try to sneak around and it, it's got very much that Resident Evil 2 remake thing where you're trying to hide from somebody and they did that in Call of Duty World War 2. Yeah. yeah. Is that what we're talking about? No, no, this this is from this one. Oh, they're doing it again. Yeah, yeah. And there are okay. there are those sequences where you are you're playing the night mission and you're going into houses and yeah, you have to dis- like you have to have trigger discipline and and don't shoot people that aren't armed, right? And, but then there are, there are some people who look like civilians uh, in the house. They're like women in the house. And all of a sudden, like if you're like, okay, this is safe, she'll pull a handgun on your ass and start shooting you, and then you have to start shooting her. And it's like, hmm. okay, like come on, like but it's. It's a very fun campaign. It's it's like six hours. It's one of the best looking games I've ever played. Like like there are, there are moments, especially like when you get the night vision and stuff on, you're like, this looks like video. This does not look like like a video game. Like it's really it's really good. And I just wish people would maybe just ease off a bit and just have fun with your popcorn game and maybe don't overthink it. And and Activision maybe don't maybe don't hype yourself and think that you have to teach people lessons about this shit. It's, it's fucking commando. I think modern warfare deserves all the shit it gets, honestly. <laughs> and not the least because 10 years ago, they did this better. They did it yes. better 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. And that's, that's the thing I wanted to think about. Like it's been 10 years since infinity ward worked on call of duty. Like what is this product now? Well, th- Who this makes is, this? This is infinity ward. <laughs> it's still, infinity they, they do ward, every three but, games. You know, like they've been doing them. It's not yeah. the same founders of Infinity right. War, right. but they they do everything. Well. I'm sure they're very talented developers, but they're hitting the same beats they were hitting 12 years ago, 
Yeah. It was awesome in 2007. Like, the original Modern Warfare still has one of the best campaigns that I've ever played. And they just keep trying to top the damn ghillie suit or whatever, mm-hmm. and they then they can't. And yeah. maybe that's just how it is. You know, you're going to be Modern Warfare forever. But there's a certain point where it outstayed its welcome and stopped having an edge. But they keep wanting to have an edge. There are definitely parts in this. Again, It's clun- I'm not going to back away from the fact that it gets clunky in, like, so, spoiler alert, there's a waterboarding sequence in this game where you oh are trying God. to avoid being waterboarded, and it's like fucking... They got my letter! <laughs> and it's, and it's like, yeah, it's that's a clunky-ass sequence, and it's just like, come on, right? But at the same time, if you're along for the ride, right? Like, just just be there for a ride and, and, and soak up all the big sights and sounds of that campaign. You'll have a great time. No, I'm sure it's going to be fine, but you, you should acknowledge that we live in a different era than we did 10 years ago where people are judging all these things a little more harshly while we're talking about the president denying military aid to a country being assaulted. <laughs> like, he, all of those things are being used as pawns in this thing to enter... Like to, I, I am all for a shooting gallery. That's why I love the Max Payne games. Mm-hmm. They They... they they give themselves a little, uh, a little bit of story and credibility, but ultimately it's just about yeah, slow down time and shoot shit. We know that's fun. This would be fun if you were doing it with clowns on a green screen. I, I acknowledge we we do live in a different age, but it doesn't mean I always have to engage in all of my entertainment in that way. Like sometimes I, I you're do. Right. You're you're absolutely right too. But but I understand I understand the criticism because like people are looking towards this medium to say something about the modern age and. Movies aren't really doing that anymore, and the news does that depending on what side you're looking at. And and yeah, where's our entertainment critical of our situation? And like, we only have comedy. And I don't know, I don't know. Like, I'm, I, I again, I, I think a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of helium in these think pieces. Like, it's just it's we're dissatisfied with something, but we don't know what. Yeah. Um, but it's not like video games have done ever given this they have ever done very well in this this space mm-hmm. like call of duty has ever had to say anything profound about war fuck that it's never changed anybody's mind about anything right and, right and war's never changed just ask ron it's Perlman. true <laughs> as <laughs> but can love bloom on the battlefield yes Boom, modern warfare yeah. <laughs> now available chris i think you nailed it it's it's you you nailed it though in that like there's this Almost this unfair expectation that my entertainment should always have this social commentary on politics and stuff. And and sometimes I'm like, yeah, I get it. And but sometimes I don't want that at all. And I hate I hate to use that argument because some of the I'm, worst I'm saying people... I want more. It's it was my only criticism of Far Cry Five because like oh they're really going to say something about like hardline religious people. I'm like of course they're not. They're trying to sell this game everywhere. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It, it, it didn't have anything to say about that at all. It was just that was just a setting. And and. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I don't know why people expect that from video games, because the only ones that ever do that are less than $20. This is a yeah. game that wants $120 out of you for the year. Yeah. And not, not that for, any of this matters. Territory. I mean, what did they already sold through? They made like $600 million or something already with this game. So they're fine, no matter what we say about it. It's, it's doing fine for them. So. I'm glad they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, speaking of topical, we should probably move poor, on poor to... Bobby. Poor Bobby Coded. First up, as we are wont to do when video game news crosses over with showbiz, we like to bring out a little segment we call 
Hey guys, uh, you never would have guessed, but you know that guy Hideo Kojima, you know, maker of Death Stranding, uh, or one I, of the makers of I, I know Hideo Kojima. No. Mm. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Yes, sorry. that guy. I, I only know... I only know Hideo Kojima. <laughs> Kojima, how you doing? Kojima. Should I just say, you, you guys know Jeff Keighley's best friend? <laughs> yes. Well, apparently he wants to make movies. Uh-huh. No freaking shit. What? Really? <laughs> Shocker. Like again? Uh, in a 26-minute BBC documentary on the making of Death Stranding, uh, he goes on to say, um, in the future, Kojima Productions will also start making films. If a person can... this. Okay, this statement. If a person can do one thing well, then they should be able to do anything well. That is very ambitious. <laughs> Famous <True>. last word. <laughs> yeah. You should like, talk to Vin Diesel about his video game company. What? Mike, Michael Jordan proved that after he uh, went on from basketball to become the greatest baseball player of all time. Excuse me. Excuse me. I had the True. highest rated show on NBC, uh-huh. and now I'm mm-hmm. kicking ass and taking names. Uh-huh. Ask, uh, yeah. Ask Chris Gaines. And <laughs> <laughs> he says within the next three to four years... He's talking about the industry now. Everything will move to streaming. Games, movies, and TV shows. Um, We're pretty much there with TV shows and movies. When that happens, they're all going to be competing in the same place. And then he's interested in creating the type of entertainment that will arise from all of those things converging. So Mm. uh, (laughs) So he wants to make Bandersnatch. I hate it it when I read articles like that. Like, uh, you know, in a couple years, like, all TV will be streaming. Like, hey, man. That's all TV is. It, it kind it's of already streaming. is. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it <laughs> always was. Mm-hmm. You just had to tune yes. into it before. It was just always on. Yes. Now you do it on demand. It, it also currently uses my parents' internet. They have cable. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I can't say I'm surprised by this news. I Okay, so we talk, we, we make fun uh, of, of Kojima Games because, you know, he's... Let's just say... What's the word I'm looking for? Indulgent hmm. might be might be a word. Uh, can you imagine that guy trying to make a movie and fit it into two hours, maybe three hours even? Like, hmm. I mean, he, he's made multiple movies within a single game before. Yes, yeah, so that's true. I, I I think it would be weird because like he wouldn't really have a choice because he can't release a three hour movie. But I don't think most people are that interested in anyone making a movie. And as we move forward, I think. Yeah, make a miniseries. Yeah. No, no limit. Two Shoot words. Press stage television. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> single. I, I will end. Well, I, at some point, I think we'll end up calling this that kind of thing like single a single season serving, because maybe there's no follow up, but hmm. like at, at best, you got to work real hard to to contain that kind of information within two hours, and that's what makes a great filmmaker. Yeah. And it's why Kojima is not yet one of. <laughs> no, I mean he does. There are some definitely memorable moments in all of the games he's made, but it takes hours upon hours upon hours of digging through the shit to finally see these things. He's more he needs like a John Steinbeck-esque editor if he's going if he's going to be making movies, <laughs> just fucking cutting it down to the barest of bones. That's that's it I think I think I know he could do it if he if he had someone helping him edit in a little a little bit. But yeah, I think he could make totally interesting movies for real. Or he could make what he's already making, anime. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty much <laughs> he's like an anime director. Like, like think of all like the stuff from the Metal Gear games. It's all just long, lingering shots, 
confusing as hell shit, but but confusing Data but bugs, super long cool. Pauses, talks about Godzilla. Yeah, it all checks mm-hmm. out. Nano machines. Yeah, it's come on. He's an anime guy. Sure. Prestige television or Crunchyroll series. <laughs> <laughs> Crunchyroll should be so lucky. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, Netflix yeah, should be. They lost Evangelion. It's fucking bullshit. Did they? Wow. Well, oh yeah. I mm. guess if it went to Netflix, then yeah. You didn't read that article? Like that guy bitching? Like you know how much how how good that would have been for us and how well we would have treated ne- mm. Netflix is going to dump it on a Friday and never touch it again. Mm. Like it belonged here at Crunchyroll. God damn it! Like yeah, he's right. I already had Netflix. Maybe I would have subscribed to Crunchyroll to be bored by uh, Evangelion again. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It was pretty okay. You know, very memorable. Yeah. Memorable. That's a good way of putting Kojima's games as well. They're very memorable. They're extremely memorable. With like memorable even moments. the stuff that you describe is like, oh, you have to dig through a lot of stuff. Like even that stuff is really interesting and weird. It's just odd to hear hear him say that because when he says shit like that, and like you, you're you're not being fair to like how how much trail you have blazed in the interactive medium and continue to like you would be stifled and boxed in by a by a regular movie. Mm-hmm. It would just be, I think. He's probably thinking like most pe- most uh, older people that it's less work, and it is than a video game. <laughs> it very much is. I think it's a different kind of work. I mean, have, like you you and I were just. I, I still remember when we did that short movie production for a, that zombie game. Uh, it was grueling. Like that, we we did a week long shoot, and we had to like be down in like Half Moon Bay at six a.m. every day, and. Uh, there was there was a ton of hurry up and wait like it's it's extremely complicated and and like the things that the director was doing were unbelievably complicated there were so many moving parts yeah and and i i think that it's it's definitely different they uh it probably takes less time to make any sort of tv show than it does to make I a mean, game i mean i've sort of done both I, it's way making a movie is way more exciting because mm. just it moves faster. Yeah, yeah. I and you get to see progress more, like just instant progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and I have to imagine anybody who makes games for a living probably, like, masturbates over that idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's one of the reasons, though, that, that it has to move so quick is because it's so expensive. Because you're paying for an entire crew of people to be there oh, on set. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and given Kojima's history directing games and going over budget and, and you know, having delays and taking longer and... and the fact that he can patch games when stuff is 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 broken, but you can't do that with movies. There there would be a, a steep learning curve where I don't think it's as he said. Where yes, I'm good at this one thing, so I'll automatically be good at the other. I think there is when you talk about game cinematics, there is a lot of crossover between making movies and you know framing shots mm. and all that stuff. But. Just imagining trying to patch a movie. It's like okay, so the the lead actor trips and falls over the the microphone cable <laughs> in the first scene, but only when played. On certain Blu-ray players. Have you have you not seen the Star Wars prequels? Those are patched <laughs> movies, my friend. True, true. All right, fair. <laughs> That's what happens. But he, but he, and he also should take into account, like, he is the greatest <laughs> filmmaker in the medium of games, hmm. which yeah. is, is, is kind of like being the hottest Waffle House waitress. <laughs> so, like, once you have to start competing with real filmmakers... <laughs> hey, baby, you sure got it made. You could, you could uh, go over to Denny's. You're so hot. You staring at my mole? Eat your omelet. <laughs> I wonder if Martin Scorsese would consider Kojima's games art. Scorsese. <laughs> it's not cinema. It's not cinema. It's not, <laughs> it's not cinema. But mean, meanwhile, like, he's writing editorials trying to clarify his stance on Marvel movies. And fucking uh, Coppola is like his hype man. It's like, they're garbage. Yeah, they they're suck. Abominable. They're abominable. Like, 
Coppola, you haven't made a good movie in 20 years. You go stand over there for a while. Martin Scorsese, let's talk about uh, yeah. how you make us angry, but you're probably right. <laughs> Trim your eyebrows. This is coming from a man with bushy eyebrows, so I can say that. Uh, more Hollywood news. Uh, did you guys catch that new uh, Witcher trailer for the no. Netflix series? No. It looks really good, mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly. I am beginning to think that Superman can play Geralt of Rivia. Okay. Uh, the trailer has that bath scene. Yes. <laughs> it's in there. It is. I actually made it the cover image for the official Laser Time Facebook our, community. Our friends at PC Gamer have influenced the culture. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and they revealed the date for that. Uh, at the end of that trailer, it's December 20th. So just in time for the Christmas holidays, you'll be watching all the sexiness of Geralt of Rivia in the bath. Yeah, you can watch a man ride a roach. <laughs> uh, as a reminder, this is based more on the books than the games, although mm-hmm. there's there's heavy crossover in yeah. fiction. So. And it's not the first TV adaptation of the books either. There have, I think, been a couple in made in Poland. I'm guessing with astronomical budgets? I'm sure. Wonderful yeah. production surely, value? Surely, yeah. <laughs> Renowned actors? Yep, yes. yep, yep. Uh, okay, well, no, it's something to look forward to. So December 20th, set your calendars. Mm-hmm. Or not. It's up to you. I, I'm, I'll probably try and just get through The Witcher again. Yeah. Yeah? The uh, game, sorry, Witcher 3. Wild Hunt, God, my, my joke failed. <laughs> Maybe this will be the ho- holiday season. I finally get through that thing. Well, you better, because I was compiling my Game of the Decade list. Ooh. And spoilers. Is that happening? Are we doing that? We We're doing, doing that. We're doing oh it, and God. I have some ideas about how to do it and some patron exclusives. So hmm. Stay tuned for oh that. Oh, my God. All right. All right. <laughs> man, I'll, I'll, man, I'll tell you why Dead Cells... Stay tuned for that like we're going to tell them about it. We're still in the planning phase. We're still in the planning phase. No, stay right. tuned for the eventual content mm. that's eventually coming. Yes. I'll tell you why Dead Cells is the game of the decade. And you'll be wrong. <laughs> uh, Dead Cells also on my list. Speaking of things that are eventually coming, BlizzCon happened mm. this past weekend. And they announced some video games uh, that we'll get eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that's the main takeaway. Well, before I dive in, <laughs> before I dive into the announcements, uh, an apology uh, because that's what they kicked off the show with. So the uh, the new head of Blizzard, J. Allen Brack, no relation to the Brack Show. Hi, hey! my name is Brack. <laughs> Driving down Highway 40, my big old... <laughs> That's a really good brag. <laughs> Get away from the mic to do that. <laughs> really glad you did. Uh, he, he gave a, kind of a somber apology uh, in introing the show uh, for the, the, the Blizzchung controversy, which was, of course, the uh, professional Hearthstone player who, after winning a tournament, went on and spoke out uh, and, and basically said, I forget the exact thing, but he said like free Hong Kong or something and, and Blizzard banned him. And then they also banned the broadcasters that were interviewing him. They also, they, they fired them. They didn't they, ban they fired them. Well, they, they, they prevented them from, from future broadcasts though. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, Cause they were contractors. They weren't actually Blizzard employees. Mm. Um, and then they, they took away his winnings or, or didn't give him his winnings, which then they did reverse. But so here's the thing with the apology, you know, he, he's basically says stuff like, we moved too quickly in our decision-making, and then to make matters worse, we were too slow to talk with all of you. We didn't live up to the high standards that we really set for ourselves. I'm sorry, and I accept accountability. Yes. But we, we thought only about the money and not about anything else, and that we also won't reverse the decision. That's that's <laughs> what is kind of ringing hollow about the, the, the apology for me so far is they did – but so actually before the apology is, is, is when they said, no, we will give him his winnings – 
but they still will not reverse the ban on the guy and let him play. So it's it's like, okay, and he said, well, you know, our actions are going to speak louder than our words. Okay, what are your actions? What are you doing to remedy this situation? I think their, situation? their action is to wait out the situation hmm. and keep him away from a microphone to not have to worry about defining rules. Hmm. Right now, he's been made an example of for anybody else who might make a, a similar statement, and they're going to wait out the situation in Hong Kong. Good luck with that. I'm sure everything will be hunky-dory in six months. Every time you say wait out the situation, I just imagine a pe- bunch of people hiding in a room trying not to be noticed by MTV's The Situation yeah, of Jersey kind of Shore. What, oh, God damn. <laughs> Way to deflect. I know no one wants to talk about this, but it's, it's pretty fucked up. And even the NBA had a more nuanced take on it, and they stand to lose a lot more than Blizzard does. I, I did want to bring it up because it put it, it kind of tainted all of the news coming out of BlizzCon. And there's a lot of news, and I'll get to it, but yeah, it's like, okay, you're going to start your show off with that, but what are you really doing? And then it almost, the cynical side of me says, yeah, now I know they've been working on these announcements for months and months and months. Like, you don't create CG trailers like that in a matter of a month in the time this controversy is happening. The rumor was uh, Diablo 4 was supposed to be announced last year, but they like, eh. But even knowing all that and even knowing how much time they've been prepping for these announcements, the cynical side of me can't help but think, yeah, these announcements are trying to brush over some of this, or or at least hope they're hoping to get people to move on from that controversy. Um, And so it's, it's tough, you know, especially when these are announcements for games that let's be frank, they're not coming for at least another few years, each one. Um, So if you guys want, I I can dive into some of the announcements. Sure. I'm a a little curious. I'm more about Overwatch than Diablo, but Mm. who knows? Maybe this will be the Diablo game. It's the first one to hit consoles? No. Like launch on consoles? Well, maybe... Three hit consoles in a big way. And was like... No, no, but like a year later, but this is going to launch on... You mean SimShip? Yeah, I I didn't see that they announced it was SimShip. That would be exciting if it was... SimShip? Simultaneously shipping. Yeah. Uh, so there is a new villain named Lilith who looks to be like Diablo's sister or daughter or mm. mother. I don't know. She looked badass. And, She's and the terrifying. Diablotter. <laughs> and she uh, was covered. They, they had an awesome CG trailer where she emerges like covered in blood and it was pretty gross mm-hmm. and scary. Um, they showed the first three of the five playable classes. So pretty standard, actually. It's barbarian, a sorceress, and a druid. Uh, and then the new features that they haven't announced a ton, but there are a few. They showed mounts because apparently the, the game world is going to be huge and they're going to have five distinct regions there. Um, so, yeah, Diablo 4, they didn't give it a date, but they said don't expect this game anytime soon. So but what, a, what a great thing to say in your announcement. But I mean, so I, I remember I played Diablo 3 probably three years before it hit retail and it was it was it felt like it was in a beta state already. So. If I'm a betting man, I'm saying this isn't coming before holiday 2021, but most likely a 2022 game. That's that's my guess. Yeah, all right, fair. Which seems odd because we keep hearing you know games get announced so close to launch nowadays. But uh, so Chris, you said you wanted to hear more about Overwatch or Overwatch Two, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Just because, like, I for me, over I jumped into Overwatch at launch, uh, at, at, but like. It's not like the game wasn't being like played like almost like I don't know like a year before uh, the official launch of it like the, the betas were it was massively extended beta periods. Yeah, I don't I don't remember all those. I did I jumped onto Overwatch a few months after it launched just cuz I'm not you guys know this about me. I'm not huge into multiplayer only games. I, I like games to have a little bit of a story component, mm-hmm. which is one reason I'm excited for 2. Uh and 
by the way, I, I mentioned it in my intro. I am a man who teared up when they showed the CG trailer for this. Like, there's something something about Overwatch and the characters that they strike a note. It's like a Pixar thing to me, and it's like, I, I mean, Chris, did you have the, kind of a similar reaction when you saw Winston? Of course, it was that was a, it was a beautiful trailer, and like, especially because like I haven't. I haven't followed much of the Overwatch story at all because you can only do it outside of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I've seen a couple of things here and there as long as Winston features prominently in it, and this did. So I I, I deemed to watch it. So I didn't know the team was all busted up. And maybe they're not. I don't fucking know. I don't really care. But it was it was nice to to treat all the give all these char- these characters. I don't know what would you call that shit. It's like it's it's they had kind of a on your left end game moment. Where everyone kind of comes back to face impossible odds. They do it all in like six minutes, and it doesn't take three hours. Yeah, and it's awesome. Mm. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so this game, uh, it's going to feature co-op hero missions. Uh, you're going to be able to level up the heroes with talents. So, which is you know a step. The, the last game, you really couldn't do that. Everything was all cosmetic as you mm-hmm. leveled up. Mm-hmm. The powers were set in stone. So, this this kind of gives you a little bit more control there. There is a new PvP mode called Push. Which is kind of what it sounds like, where instead of just the escorting a payload and trying to get it to the other side, it seems like the teams will go back and forth trying to push it toward the other team's side. Hmm. So. Interesting. Uh, there's new all new settings and new maps. Uh, there's a new hero, Sojourn, who is in the lore. She was one of the captains in Overwatch that served alongside Soldier 76, Tracer, Winston. Um, she has cybernetic enhancements, so they didn't really reveal much about how she played, but you can bet... Those will play into that. She is the first Canadian hero to be on the Overwatch team, and that's most likely tied to the fact that one of the new maps is in Toronto. So, boo! I, we hate Canada <laughs> now, don't we? I, I'm sure. I'm sure Trump will turn on Canada in the next three weeks, and we'll all have to hate it. You mean America's hat? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the game will also feature a ton of PVE content, um, and this is this is Jeff Kaplan saying this. We have a complete story experience featuring story missions. That is what's really exciting to me. The first is set in Rio de Janeiro. There will also be progression-based hero missions, which Kaplan said is it's like Diablo's adventure mode. Um, and then oh, they're upgrading the look of all 31 heroes. Well, it's interesting going back to the, the CG trailer and you guys uh, tearing up a bit at it. Like, So my understanding is that there, there wasn't really like there was sort of a story to Overwatch One that was told in the CG trailers, but that maybe Overwatch Two, its story mode is going to be telling that story in gameplay. So like, what I saw was like, oh, this is these characters, this is them being introduced. This was the moment when Overwatch kind of came out of hiding and came back together to try and save Earth. So it's it's telling the beginning of that okay. story not the end right that, that would, uh, i can see that making sense but I'm, i might be wrong about that because I, I don't know overwatch i always got the sense that the game was sort of like the action figures that tied into a saturday morning tv show except wow. instead of a saturday morning <laughs> tv show it was a series of cg trailers that got released over time yeah sort of uh, like but team you're, Fortress uh, what you're saying way. makes sense because in the trailer they they like discover make and shoot ice and like yeah you, you i think like my mom knows that at this point. She has her own cereal, doesn't she? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a rare breed of over. I'm a huge fan of Overwatch, or was within the first year and then haven't touched it since. And uh, I have almost no idea of what the story was outside of the one Winston-focused hmm. thing about the moon. I mean, I know the, the grand backstory is that Overwatch is kind of a special forces yeah. team comprised of heroes, and then there were some heroes that served together that split off. So Reaper is yeah. part 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 of like the rebel faction. They're, they're, they're like a, a mercenary villain faction, but yeah. it's it's that uh, 
Is it they, that Overwatch was formed during this battle with the robots and things have changed and Overwatch has been disbanded, but yeah. like a new threat is emerging and they need to come back together. So Yeah, yeah. So excited about that. Um, yeah, and let's see. Oh, here's, here's one of the really cool things. It's going to be a shared multiplayer environment between Overwatch 1 and Overwatch 2. Uh, hmm. So I think they realize that it'd be really hard to split your player base. Mm -hmm. And so rather than tell people like destiny went through this, right? You know, how many people play destiny one still very, not, not that many. Uh, and so rather than say, no, you need to buy the new thing and hop on over. They're letting people play in the same environments. I'm assuming on all the old maps. And I would guess if you needed, if you wanted to play on the new maps, you probably have to buy overwatch too. But I think that's really cool in the age where it's more and more common for games to have like cross play amongst platforms and stuff like that. The fact that they're, they're allowing cross play between games. I don't know if it's the first of its kind, but it, it seems pretty rare and it seems, seems pretty smart, like, like a smart move, you know, so that they're not splitting up their player base too it's much. A, it's something I think steam is the, at least I remember, I think I remember left for dead Two doing that a lot. Okay. But it was diff difficult to know. Cause I don't know what exactly I installed on my computer. I just know that, uh, this is from one. Why is this coming up? Yeah. Oh well, that guy's a raptor now. I don't. <laughs> yeah. It's just everything. Like they're not going to release any more Left 4 Dead content. Why not unify it? Yeah. The the other thing that comes forward with you is all of the stuff you've been grinding for in Overwatch One, like all the uh, customizable stuff. That all carries forward as well. So that's cool. Like if you've been grinding for skins and sprays and all that stuff, that would gotta carry have some on. skins in the game. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. So yeah, they uh, that that is Overwatch two. They also announced World of Warcraft Shadowlands, which is the next expansion for World of Warcraft. Uh, yes, we've gone everywhere possible, so let's go into the afterlife. Well, it it seems more like it's sort of going back to the Frozen Throne territory, which is kind of a lot of players' favorite favorite time in in World of Warcraft. And it was one mm. that's that's when I was probably most invested in the game where I was like grinding faction rep and stuff. Um okay. so they should they showed a cinematic trailer yeah. that shows they finally revealed the inverted castle for Azeroth. <laughs> <laughs> well the the trailer they showed it's uh, Sylvanas, the Lady Sylvanas, yeah. you know, the leader Sylvanas of the Sylvanas Windrunner, yes. Yes, that's right. Uh she confronts the Lich King and mm. she she beats him in combat and proceeds to tear his helmet in half, which causes a huge rift. And I looks like it implies that like now the burning legion is that he was holding at bay is is unleashed yet well, again. I mean, they, they said specifically that like we're opening up the afterlife of World of Warcraft for exploration. Yeah, like that's there's going to be like stand-ins for angels and demons and yeah, yeah, yeah the Shadowlands. Yep, there you go. So, so that is uh, the next big expansion for that. They announced the uh, Descent of Dragons expansion for Hearthstone that launches December tenth, so really soon. Uh, the trailer, if you haven't seen it, is really cool. It's uh, it reminds me a lot of Flash Gordon. Mm -hmm. Like it's got like this cheesy Queen sounding song. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So that game will feature uh, what they're calling it's a new Battlegrounds eight player autoplay game option. Uh, so. Uh, sort of like, you know, all these games now have like battle chess type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's going into beta uh, the 12th of November. So really, really soon. Hmm. Um, but that's all the big announcements that I saw at BlizzCon. There's a lot of little stuff they were showing about the games. A lot of people were getting hands on the various games, which, which again, it feels super early for games that most likely aren't coming for another few years. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like compared, it's, it's, compared to last year's BlizzCon, this would be regarded as a huge success for Blizzard, and it got people talking, and it was very exciting. It's just it had the shadow 
of the controversy. Man, if it happened a month earlier, whew, oh boy. Yeah. Can you <laughs> I mean, and they had, they had protesters out in front of the convention center and stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it felt weird to, to be celebrating all of these big announcements. at such a strange time in mm-hmm. Blizzard's history and Blizzard with a, the departure of a lot of the founders, it very much feels like a new company or a different company or a company that maybe feels more like, you know, it's parent company Activision than, than the old Blizzard used to. And I believe this is a company right now that's kind of searching for its identity, or at least how how it's going to portray itself moving forward. And it's it's at a it's at a crossroads, let's just say. Um, and so I hope that apology that Jay Allen Brack gave is sincere, and they really are thinking of these things, and they're going to move slower next time and not be so reactive. And I, I just don't know. I don't know. Their actions do need to speak louder than their words. I don't care. I don't play Blizzard games. Yeah. <laughs> None of them? I mean, not anymore, no. Mm. <laughs> like, I, 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 Overwatch, that's about it. I might try Diablo at some point, someday. I heard it's I heard it's not It's not for smart people like I originally thought it was uh, when 3 came out. It's it's not a smart people game, necessarily. It's more of a click, 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 click game. It's more an OCD yeah. people like, game. Do you, you remember, I think, Tyler Nagata's preview of Diablo 3 was yes. just the word mm. click over and over again. Yeah. That's what you do. Um, that's why I'm excited when they bring it to console, though, because then it's mash, 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 I guess. Mm. Nintendo says it's bringing more 3DS franchises to the Switch to capitalize on the popularity of the Switch Lite. Sure. Because, of course, <laughs> of course they are. But I, I wanted to bring this up because I, I wanted to get your guys' takes on what 3DS franchises are still left for them to port over that we would look forward to. I mean, are we talking about games or like we want to see sequels to this thing that was on 3DS. I I think they just said franchises. So I think it could mean new games in a series or it could mean just porting some of the older games over. Hmm. Well, I think it means Fire Emblem found a new home. <laughs> well, we've, we've already, already did, had yeah. a Fire Emblem. Game. And it's it's an excellent game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, what what other what other series from 3DS? I mean, I'll, I'll name one. Um, Mar and Luigi. There you go. That's the one. And and unfortunately, the studio just closed down that did those games. Yeah. But that would be the biggie for me is I would love to see a Mario and Luigi game uh, on the Switch. Hmm. What was that? That submarine game? Steel Battalion? No, Steel Hunter or something? I... Steel Hunter, the launch game? <laughs> sure, why not? Really? <laughs> no. Okay. I was going to say, wait, What? Uh, now that you ask me, like, oh, it's favorite 3DS games, my mind's just blank. I'm trying to re- remember games that I played on 3DS. Like, I mean, I love, like, the games I remember playing a ton of, Monster Hunter is already there, but Theater Rhythm, mm. I, I think that should be allowed to live somewhere else. And I think the 3DS one had the biggest the biggest library of songs, at least. Oh, what was the one, not Theater Rhythm, but it's it's a rhythm game, this one's thinking, Elite Beat Agents. Yeah. Elite Beat Agents. I don't know... You kind of need. Do you need the touch screen for that though? I feel like that was such a big part of that so. game. Yeah. yeah, you could you could have a touch I think screen. You could on easily put the prompt on. There's nothing happening on that top screen but a cinematic. You just put it over the cinematic, just like any rock band guitar hero game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, you could make that game work for phones, and I'm surprised they haven't yet. Mm. Oh, because it's Nintendo. How about uh, how about WarioWare? Oh yeah, of course. I thought that was Abandonware. Mm. <laughs> I, just, I haven't done anything with WarioWare in a long time. Mm-hmm. At this point, maybe. Love that franchise. I found my original uh, box copy of it. I was so happy about nice. that. Mm. First WarioWare. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I, I mean, I already sort of have wish fulfillment like Animal Crossing. 
if you can even call that a, D- a DS, 3DS series, you know, it, it goes back and forth, but we are getting the new one next year, so I'm excited about that. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. It's about to and, and Pokemon in a couple weeks. Yeah, Pokemon, same thing, is already crossing over, so, mm-hmm. yeah. But they, they, they basically, it feels like the Switch Lite is them saying, no, this is our handheld option. It's, it's what we talked about when it came out. Like, that's, that's definitely how Nintendo's viewing it, and it is supposed to be the successor to the 3DS for them, so... Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, sure. Good. All right, moving on to the news. Um, Speaking of Nintendo, Retro Studios was working on a singing role-playing game before they were reassigned to Metroid Prime 4. We know this uh, because a Reset Era user named... Walkert Texas TX Ranger Texas Ranger mm, uh, very credible name mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> revealed that before being moved to Metroid Prime 4 the developer allegedly spent three years working on some kind of RPG involving singing as the main mechanic uh, players would use the singing to affect the environment of the game however Retro could never really figure out where to go with it we know this because Walkert Texas Ranger claims not his uncle works at Nintendo, but because he he lives near Retro in uh-huh. Austin, Texas. Sure, and they and have very bad security. It's right there in his name when he lives uh-huh. in Austin, Texas. Walkert Texas Ranger, and um, he knows people from the animation studio that was working on that game. So he knows someone who knows someone. Sounds like it. Uh-huh. Sounds like uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Um, and he said, "Yeah, Nintendo was frustrated that things." weren't really progressing on that singing RPG and they decided to cancel that and just put them on the new Metroid Prime. So Metroid Prime 4 is just going to be that RPG but reskinned with Samus. You heard it here first. Yeah, Samus sings the entire uh-huh. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Samus, your armor's big and orange, Samus. <laughs> I shouldn't have started with orange. <laughs> Well played, sir. Well yes, played. well played. People think I sing on the show too much. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the right amount of singing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is all the news that is fit to play, gentlemen. Hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to the community segment, which, as always, is segmenting, segmenting our, our community. community. Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what's a mundane task you just love to do in video games? Um, on Twitter... And at Andrew Pets says, I love the mundane tasks in farming games like Stardew Valley, watering my crops, feeding my animals, mining in the mines, fishing, talking to people. In games like this, the mundane stuff is the game, and it all comes together as a perfect, relaxing experience. Could not agree more. This is why I've spent multiple hundreds of hours playing Stardew Valley. Mm, yes. It just it's the perfect amount of like the little dopamine hit you get every time you grow a crop and then sell that for profit. Mm-hmm. First we get the crops, then we get the money, then we get the power, then we get the women. That's right. Uh, at you old so and so says going to the bathroom, cubivore, no more heroes, conquers bad fur day, etc. Ooh, also scum. A game in which you can also run around naked, and if you're running around naked and you decide to take a shit, it's uncomfortably realistic and gross. Yuck. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it gets stuck and they have to rock back and forth a little bit to pinch it off. <laughs> uh, at Avrin Legna says, cooking for me. You have to eat, right? 
I love the way Breath of the Wild handles cooking as different items can either give you amazing buffs and healing or cause you to get a quarter of a heart and are too gross to be shown. That's true. I, I love the, the blurred out decency filter on the bad food. Yes. Yeah. And the sound of breaking glass. Yeah. yeah. Ingredients. Now, cooking, cooking was great in that game. It was just, yeah, grab every ingredient you want, experiment. The, the one issue I had with it though was that like there was no system where it just memorized recipes where you could then automatically just create those recipes moving forward. Mm. That would have been a nice to have. Sure. But maybe beside the point. Mm. From the official Laser Time Facebook community, Jesse Moore says in dot hack slash GU, oh. is that how I say that? <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't read that one. <laughs> <laughs> there were parts of the game where you weren't playing the world, the fictional MMO in this game, and so you'd get to hop into different forums for the game and read posts from other players. I loved reading what the game devs thought forum users were like and found it to be fairly accurate for the time. Lots of wacky forum shorthand and slang for creepily friendly people, as well as trolls and the asshole know-it-alls. You could also check out the fan art section of the forums and download rad wallpapers. Such a neat game. Bring that series back. Sure. Just tell me how to pronounce I did, it. I, mind, I did love reading the fake game magazines and retro game channels. Ah, yeah. God damn, that, that was, was fun. fantastic. Was that Dan Sock, the parody of Dan Shu? <laughs> <laughs> but it was written by real the real people, though, wasn't it? Uh, it might have been, or they might have just used their likenesses. Mm. I forget. That was dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, dot hack, not so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doug Marvel says, Mining in Mass Effect 2, there was something weirdly satisfying about moving that little reticle around and finding the perfect spot where the resources peaked and just launching a probe. Uh, also, on a personal level, my wife and I were doing a, a temporary long-distance stint while I finished grad school when I was playing this game, and we'd spend a lot of time on the phone at night. Uh, this was the perfect in-game activity for uh, that because it had no dialogue and required very little attention. Yeah, you could talk hmm. to his lady. I love the mining in the Mass Effect games. Like, yeah, I, to- I never have thought about it until this moment. It was so fun. <laughs> it was so dumb, because but it would give you these amazing resources that you could use for other stuff. Didn't that like connect with an iPad app that you could use just for mining? Mm. No, I, I remember the, the there one. was an iPad app that you built up defenses for Mass Effect Three, which mm. ultimately didn't matter. Mm. But yeah, I don't you could just reach the end game a little faster. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelly Ryan says cleaning in real life stresses me the fuck out. Cleaning in video games, zen as fuck. Specifically, Mario Sunshine, which yes. I never finished even though I love cleaning things with flood. Yes. Viscera cleanup detail on the PC, however, is one of the most relaxing games I've ever played. Relaxing while I'm picking up bullets, organs, bodies, and putting them in the incinerator. Then mopping up the mess, arranging the crates and barrels, and restocking the medkits. I wish cleaning in real life was as fun as cleaning up after an alien massacre. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> that game is amazing. <laughs> Especially when they, they started... Uh, I know they did it with Shadow Warrior. I don't know if they did it with other ones. They they put in actual levels from other first-person shooters. Oh, cool. And it was like after the hero had gone through and you'd have to clean up all the body parts. <laughs> such a good... It's a funny concept. Yeah. I, I do love Mario Sunshine, though, using Flood, and when you start to see the goo washing away, this is such a great feeling. Yeah, like, this yeah, is yeah. amazing. Wonderful. Yeah. Bring back underused tactic. Or I know mechanic. it's not a 3DS thing, but there's Nintendo. Bring Sunshine over to the Switch. Mm-hmm. Make it happen. Sunshine, too. Make it less weird, though. 
Um, no, more weird. Yeah. All right. We've got uh, a couple of video responses. First is from Cody Laveau. Hey, it's a cage of Crippler, Cody Laveau. I'm going to make it short and sweet. I love fishing, whether it's in Stardew or Ocarina of Time or uh, even like an actual fishing uh, game itself, um, Legend of the River King or something yes. like that, um, or just like some sort of bass hunter. I love it. I love to fish in video games. I can't explain it. There's something about just um, the rod and reel. It's just, it's relaxing to me and I love it. So like I said, short and sweet this week, fishing, mundane. I love it. And uh, I guess what kind of uh, response video would it be if I didn't have some kind of animal here with me? So uh, Buffalo right there. Say hi, Buffalo. I think he's peeing. He is peeing. <laughs> His dick is enormous. Guy on the buffalo. <laughs> oh, that's a lot of peeing. We'll see you next week. Uh, later, Chris, Michael, Matt, whoever else is in there. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Cody. He's still peeing. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> and uh, next up is Mike Amari, who says... Hey, VJ crew, Mike Amari here with the question of the week. question of the week, of course, was what mundane tasks do you love doing in video games? Uh, for me, it really comes down to one thing and one thing only. If you have a way for me to make money in a game, I will exploit that as quickly as humanly possible. Uh, in any game where there's any sort of mechanic where I can either farm or sell or do anything where there's going to be an income coming in, I immediately figure out how can I min-max this to get the most money for the least amount of time and effort put in. Uh, this was really the worst when I played Fallout 4 because once I realized I can make self-sustaining little money pits out of those settlements, I basically became a warlord. I went ahead and put every basic thing I needed to do to get a farm up and running. Uh, really what that meant in most cases was put one wall and another wall and a roof over it, not even a full house, put as many sleeping bags I can fit under that, get as many people as need to run the farms, and then just... I did that to every farm, and I went ahead and I had a loop where I did, where I timed it. It took me, I want to say, about 20 minutes before things would kind of respawn as far as getting a mute fruits. I found that mute fruits in early game was the best way to make money per, you know, like seed you could buy. That was the other thing. I was running spreadsheets and shit, like to figure out wow. money in versus money out versus time. And it was a little crazy. Um, really, even worse than Fallout 4 was back in the day when Farmville was a thing. My wife was like, oh, play Farmville on Facebook. Can you help me get shit for my farm? I then figured out, hmm, Here's my surface area, here's how much the seeds cost, here's how much money I get out, and here's how much time it takes to do it. I literally figured out that if I sat down for a half hour each night doing just one type of seed in Farmville using a spreadsheet, I sat down and did a spreadsheet, uh, that I could max out the dollar amount and buy everything in the game within two months. That was how I felt like I would win that game. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a sickness. I become an overt capitalist in most games if you give me a chance to make money. Uh, so yeah. I become a terrible person whenever that happens. Um, thanks for spending time with me th- this week. I look forward to spending time again with you guys next week. Oh, you're really thanks, good Mike. at your job. Thanks for making the videos, Mike. Always yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Go check them out. So new question of the week. Uh, what is your favorite weirdo game and why? Kat, what is your favorite weirdo game? I mean, define weirdo game. I mean, weirdo as in, like, the the games that we talked about in the top five, games that don't really fit into a genre, games that are just kind of Mm. oddball things that, like, stand on their own. That lack imitators. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, I could get better at playing these kinds of unconventional games and seeking them out. Because if I look at my staff, like, I think Katie really enjoys, uh, Katie McCarthy, she's our senior editor, she really enjoys just seeking out these games like, um, I don't remember what it's called, but there's a game that's just about organizing things. And it's basically like, a, what's that thing on Netflix that is very popular right now? The condo method? Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they basically turned that into a video game. Okay. Nice. And she's constantly finding odd things like that, whereas I tend to play much more, you know, conventional games. I like RPGs. Sure. <laughs> right? Uh, I, I like games that don't, I mean, they push the envelope in, but they do it in a very conventional framework. But... Having said that, like, one of the things I said in my Death Stranding review was that I hadn't planned to pick up Katamari, but somebody gave it to me, and then I had this wonderful, mm. like, feeling of discovery of being like, oh, wow, this is, this is awesome, right? You know, I discovered something really fun and new and interesting, this game where I was pushing a ball and gobbling up the universe, and... I think that sense of discoverability in the new is something worth seeking out because I think as gamers, we can get stuck in ruts uh, way too easily. So I hope I've done a good enough a job of avoiding the question. Yeah. I'll just say Goose Game. Goose Game. Goose Game is pretty rad. I always, I I meant to mention about Katamari that just like, um, at, at that point in the PS2, like the dual analog sticks were still kind of new. Yeah. And it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen anybody do with a dual analog stick that no one had ever done before. It was it required you to learn how to play a game differently oh, yeah. than anything you've done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that gets back to the whole games weren't as codified now yeah. as they are now. Yeah. P- developers were still kind of like, oh no, about these dual analog sticks. <laughs> <laughs> it's old, old D-pad for me. It's how I like to play my third-person shooters. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see that GameSpot game spot? Spot meme where somebody basically said uh, the this dual analog stick uh controller is the scariest thing about this game. You look <laughs> around with the right stick and move with the left. What's up with that? <laughs> Tank controls are GTFO. <laughs> For me, I'm I'm gonna say Killer Seven, just because that game is when I, I remember when I first played it, the it, it sort of defies description. It was not at all the action game that I was expecting because uh, movement is on rails and then you have to stop every few seconds or so every time you hear a laugh to, to go into like a shooting gallery mode. And it's it's weirdly slow and methodical, but it really grows on you over time. Uh, you get invested in the surreal plot and uh, the, the strange and horrible things that happen and... Uh, this weird mystery that surrounds these killers, the the Smith family, and uh, it, it's just so strange, and there has never been anything else quite like it. Uh, and I, I think, you know, whenever I see people talking about weird games online, this is the first thing that comes up. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a game that everyone should at least try, if only to get very frustrated with in the, the opening minutes and then turn around and leave, <laughs> which I almost did. And I'm glad I didn't. Um, I, I I think I mean my favorite is you need to rem- think back when it was weird. Katamari was weird as shit. Oh yes, yeah. And yeah. It, it it crossed over big time. And other than that, 
I, I carried it to and from California, Mr. Mosquito. Uh, oh, there you go. Two. There yeah. you go. I love that game. Yeah. Uh, well, this year, my favorite weird game would have to be What the Golf. That's a great game. Um, but I'm going to give an answer that actually applies also to the question I asked you guys earlier. I have kind of two two games. One is is my clear choice, though. So the first is Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. This is games so that you want. Great. You want to come back to the three to this. Well, switch. it's it's answering yeah the games to come back to 3ds, but also a weird game that is a weird that is a, that's true that is a really weird is game. a weird game. Um, but I would say the actual gameplay moments, the baseball moments themselves, not that great. So it loses out to my other weird game that also should make it over from the 3ds to the Switch, mm-hmm. Pocket Card Jockey. The combination of horse racing and solitaire. You never oh, knew you I wanted. I vaguely remember this now. It's like a roguelike where you 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 have a horse that has a career lifespan and then you, you have to burn through and go to different generations of horses. The horse races themselves, you're playing like a game of solitaire, but you're trying to time things perfectly so that you get a burst of speed right at the end when you need it so you don't burn out too early in the race. Like it is it is tough to describe, but it is magical Almost when you play horrible. It. It is so fun, and I wish there'd be more games like it that were just weird combinations of genres. And yeah, that game's really fun. And if you have not checked that out on your 3DS and still have access to a 3DS, it is it is. Wasn't worth that by it. Game Freak? Yes, it was the Game Freak folks. Wow! Wow! It is a weird game, but it is so fun. Just and it's, it's solitaire. How they reinvested your Pokemon money. <laughs> we all love solitaire. Yeah. So what is your favorite weirdo game? Let us know. Go to vidgamapocalypse.com and answer under the comments for episode 341, assuming they're still working. And uh, Or hit us up on the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Or just ping us on Twitter at VGApocalypse and submit your answer that way. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Uh, Kat, you're the guest. Let's start with you. Where can people see your stuff well i do host a podcast it's called acts of blood god and it's about role-playing games as i might have mentioned and at the moment we're doing a thing that i think this audience might appreciate it's called our console rpg quest where we go through every single console and basically discuss their rpg legacy uh as you imagine some have much more robust RPG legacies than others. The Game Gear. Uh, yes, yeah. keep going. <laughs> um, so we just finished the Sega Saturn. Okay. Really uh, yeah. really cool and interesting uh, little console. We had uh, John Linneman from Digital Foundry on there to talk about the tech and everything. Ooh. So yeah, if you uh, come subscribe to Axe of the Blood God and listen to that, and you can hear me complain about Modern Warfare every single week. So. Uh, you're also editor-in-chief of USGamer.net. <laughs> I feel like I oh, should yeah, mention I, that. I, also, I do that thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just pays the uh, bills so you can do the podcast, though. Uh, it's fine. We have a lot of cool stuff going up on US Gamer of late. Uh, I feel like we have at least one cool think piece or feature going up uh, once a week. So, I mean, stop on by sometimes. I, I, I like to think that we're, you know... We're all right. <laughs> we have good stuff going up all the time. That's kind of all I can ask, right? Yeah. Yes. I love the website. I love it. Stop on well, by really net. just off Highway 90. <laughs> yeah, and I'm on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Uh, all right, cool. Thank you. Also that thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Social. You know. You know. Meh. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what do you got? 
Uh, laser time, baby. Hopefully it'll be up this week, talking about more mascottery. Uh, I mean, hopefully the website will be up again, mm. and then we can get our podcast back out on a normal schedule. Sorry about that, but you patrons still have plenty to look forward to, including a bonus episode of 302010 that we promised, which is 90 minutes of us just talking about video games. It's really funny. And uh, all-new episode of An Elm Street Nightmare Season 3. We're almost done. We're almost done. I can't, I can't remember what the movie is, but uh, yes, Chucky, <laughs> we're almost done celebrating him well after Halloween. Uh, but thank you so much for your support. Patreon.com slash Laser Time will give you a bonus show every single week, including uh, Elm Street Nightmare and these new 302010 Vigi Game show. It's really fun. You guys had a good time doing it, right? Hell yeah, yeah we did. It was a lot of Great. fun. Everyone should listen. We should do it every month. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, we're going to do it every month. Absolutely. Why do you sound like you're threatening me when you say that? Because that's there were like There were like two things said in the show that like I don't think I'd heard anybody say before. So <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have a couple things to plug. So, uh, first off, you may have seen on the official uh, Laser Time Facebook page uh, that Vigigame Apocalypse has a YouTube channel. So, hmm. check us out on youtube.com slash Apocalypse. I've been just posting best of show clips there for you. It's a nice chance if you just want to hear some of the moments that I think are some of the funniest moments of the show each week. Uh, and what's great about it is it's very easy for you to then share those with friends, like us, subscribe, do all that bullshit that you do on YouTube. Uh, it's also the month of November, which means one thing in the wrestling world, Michael. Thanksgiving. Survivor Series. Ah. Where my co-host T.L. Foster and I will be exploring Survivor Series on an upcoming episode of Cheap Podcast. There's also been a lot happening in the world of wrestling, and we have lots of opinions on that. So expect uh, at least one show coming this month, perhaps a few, and that is you can hit us up on Twitter at Cheap Podcast, and make sure you go to your podcast app of choice and subscribe. Just look us up, Cheap Podcast. As always, you can look us up at VigigameApocalypse.com, follow us on Twitter at VGApocalypse, or follow me personally at Wikiparas. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show. We'll see you next week. That was always the joke. Work, working at Disneyland, a lot of the ex Disneyland employees go work for Knott's Berry Farm down the road, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's like the B tier. It's like, oh, you couldn't, couldn't stick it. It's out. like, oh, bless. I always mm-hmm. thought Knott's was like the C tier. Like Universal Studios was the B tier, and Knott's was like the one you went to if the others were closed down due to plague. Well, it's yes and no. <laughs> it's, it's so close to Disneyland. A lot of people, most of Disneyland's employees go to Cal State Fullerton. They all live right there. Oh, so okay. Knott's, Knott's is the other, the other close by. Mm-hmm. I like Knott's has more charm. Well, not more charm. Knott's has charm. It has a charm. We don't want to, like, it sells one in the gift shop.